Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Hello, my name is Portia Bennett. Um, I'm just going to be honest, Mr. Biden. I was told to go off this paper, but I can't. You need the truth. And I'm part of the truth. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 9th of September, Year of Our Lord 2020. Sorry for the day delay. Had backed up appointments yesterday, and it was kennel duty. But it was good kennel duty for those who follow the show. Three gigantic huskies, a lot of shit, a lot of straw, was cleaning it up, and got it done, so I just pushed it to today, um, but we got a good show, we're gonna go woke first, we haven't gone woke in so long, a little narrative, and some violence, but I'd like to thank all the participants in this podcast, Sean in Oregon, Matt in Oregon, Todd in Oregon, Big Sis in Colorado, and a person asked not to be named, but sent me an email. I got your stuff in here, too. So I thank you for the listener participation. That's the best part of doing a podcast is when people actually send me stuff. It makes it a lot more funner. I also would like to wish my prayers and thoughts for those in Oregon. I know my brother Matt had to evac last night. His son, Sean, might have to evac. The fires are horrible. My sister in Denver, you could see the sky uh, from their fires. I will pray for all of you. That's just horrible. Um, you know, we haven't had that down here in Tennessee since, you know, Gatlinburg fire was horrible. But, you know, 2007, maybe 2007, uh, we've had so much wet summers. You know, we really have the, what is it, the El Nina or whatever the hell they call it. Where we stay wet. We really have, I mean, I'm still mowing lawn in September. Which is rare for Tennessee. So we haven't had a whole lot of worries about fire. And I live next to a gigantic national forest. But um, prayers go out to you for all those. And unlike liberals, they're not just possessions. Insurance can cover it. No, it's your stuff. And if it gets burned, that is just horrible. So we'll keep you in my prayers. So we're going to do a little upfront stuff. uh, Some odds and ends. Well, it's good to do some odds and ends. And the first thing off the bat, 1,000 people double voted in Georgia primary. Now, it didn't affect it, but 1,000 people. I want you to think about that. Because remember, we didn't get a stimulus check because the left wants everybody to vote by mail so they can ballot harvest. I had a great conversation yesterday with one of the ladies who does the uh, my crack appointment, they, they do the, the uh, appointments. And so at the very end, when you're done and you got your scripts, you go to a counter and they, of course, give you a new appointment 28 days later. That's the federal laws because liberals went crazy about prescription drugs and think everybody using prescription drugs is one gigantic fucking druggie. And the conversations we had were interesting. She's in her 20s. She thinks of herself as liberal, but she just couldn't vote for Biden. And the first thing, I I am so scared of this voting. After North Carolina, 
The media said ballot harvesting was bad because it benefited the Republicans. Now they want it to happen. And that's a liberal. Uh, nice to see the youngins starting to research. Next big announcement is A.G. William Barr to bring antitrust case against Google. Yeah. Not going to go into the details. Nothing's going to happen about it. But it's nice to see a shot over the bow. We need that. Because right now in our country, the amount of fucking censorship and bullshit is beyond belief. It is just wrong. I almost threw my phone searching for a couple things. Because Google's got it locked down tighter than Dick's hat band. Because they don't want you to know shit. And then the other big thing, and I hate to use it, but the only person that covered it yesterday was Tucker Carlson. That Christopher F. Rufo that we played. Well, the Trump administration has decided to ban critical race theory. And it's glorious. This is a Fox News alert. The president's got a rally tonight in North Carolina. We'll be monitoring it all night. Of course, we'll bring you any news that develops out of it. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. For our news media, it was a tough slog. One of their favorite programs has been discontinued. On Friday, the president issued an executive order forcing federal agencies to halt mandatory indoctrination on something called critical race theory. What exactly is critical race theory? Well, if you work in the government or in corporate America, you probably already know what it is. It's when your employer hires a lavishly paid consultant to tell half the room they're damned to hell because of the way they were born. In a word, critical race theory is racism. More broadly, it is the latest attempt by the most privileged people in our society, the celebrities, politicians, college professors, talk show hosts, to disclaim the blame for their mismanagement of our country onto the people below them. Hey, working class guy driving the truck. Hey, beat cop making 50 grand a year to risk your life. It's your fault. You did it. You're the real enemy here, and there's nothing you can do to change that. Systemic racism, sorry. For our incompetent elites trying to cover their tracks, you can see the appeal of this. And by the way, it pays well. Not many diversity trainers are going hungry tonight. Unfortunately, critical race theory is a lie. From the first word to the last, from start to finish, it is vicious, it is cruel. It divides the country potentially for good. It makes Americans hate each other. It's a tragedy in that way. It is also, and you cannot say this enough because it is true, it is also the very definition of the racism they are claiming to fight. And yet it is everywhere. Critical race theory is what apparently informed Kamala Harris just today when she said that she was, quote, proud of Jacob Blake. Blake is a man credibly accused of sexual assault. How could Harris say that? Because she doesn't care what Jacob Blake did or didn't do. She only cares what color he is. According to critical race theory, that's all that matters. This stuff is so obviously poison, fatal to any society that ingests it. It came from the universities, of course, like all bad ideas. But it spread quickly to the corporate world, which has found critical race propaganda enormously useful to the bottom line. Pay no attention to our sweatshops in Asia. There's a BLM logo on our website. You know how it works. But it didn't stop there. Last week, we interviewed a journalist called Chris Rufo, who's been investigating the spread of critical race theory in the federal government. He's been doing this virtually alone. The rest of the press corps has ignored it. 
Rufo told us that even the FBI is now holding weekly Maoist critical race struggle sessions, which is shocking if you think about it. Watch. Critical race theory has actually now infiltrated uh, our criminal justice system. Uh, just this week, I released a story that the FBI is now holding weekly seminars on intersectionality, uh, which is a hard left academic theory uh, that reduces people to a network of racial, gender, and sexual orientation identities uh, that intersect in complex ways and determine whether you are an oppressor or oppressed. So that interview, along with a lot of Chris Rufo's other highly detailed reporting from the past several months, apparently got the attention of the president, and he acted. It also prompted a flood of tips for Rufo from workers at federal agencies, the ones currently being told they're evil for the way they look. Most had kept silent about what they were going through. They felt they had no choice but to endure it. But they do have a choice. This is wrong, and we should say so loudly. Americans are starting to realize that. Now, the White House, as we said, has responded to their pleas. To the news media, all of this was a disaster. They claim to be journalists, but they despise actual reporting like Chris Rufo's. His coverage showed that they are complicit in an anti-American lie that is deeply unpopular with actual Americans. And they didn't take it well. Watch. What these trainings are designed to do is for each person themselves to be able to recognize that unconscious bias and to be able to pinpoint it before it becomes a problem. This is at a time when the country is going through a national reckoning on race relations. So is this tone deaf? It's insane is what it is. I feel like I'm in a twilight zone. There is some, some, some uh, clear evidence that some racial sensitivity or racial bias training might be needed and beneficial in the federal government. This follows a pattern by the president of disregarding attempts to reckon with this uh, fraught racial history that is undeniably the case in this country. It never ceases to amaze me how many people hear the phrase white privilege like it's a curse word. I'm here to reassure you, America, it is not White privilege is very real, they're telling you. It is time for a, quote, reckoning on race relations. You hear that all the time. But at some point, you've got to wonder why any of these people, the most privileged people in America, still have their jobs. If they meant what they were saying, why haven't they resigned and given their highly paid gigs to oppressed people? That's a very good question. It's the core question. And someone ought to ask Jeff Zucker about that sometime. Zucker is the head of CNN. He's a graduate of Harvard University. He's been in television his entire adult life. Jeff Zucker is the embodiment of privilege, if there ever was one. According to critical race theory, the theory that he espouses and defends, Jeff Zucker got his job precisely because of systemic racism. So why does he still have it? How can he bear to hold that job? Needless to say, Jeff Zucker has no plans to resign. Instead, according to sources, he ordered his minions to attack this show for the crime of criticizing critical race theory. And over the weekend, the most dutiful ones did just that. Tucker show gets results. No more talk about white privilege, no more examination of systemic racism. The Trump administration doesn't want it inside federal agencies, even though 2020 is being defined in part by this long overdue reckoning about race. They're children. They do what they're told. This morning, we are, we are told, Jeff Zucker instructed the entire CNN news operation to keep up the attacks on this show, which is fine. We can't control it. Good luck with that. Go crazy. 
But as long as Jeff Zucker still holds on to his own job, which according to their own talking points is the ill-gotten fruit of white privilege and systemic racism, we will know for certain they do not need a single word of what they are saying because, of course, they don't mean it. They never did. Meanwhile, we are learning how deeply this poison has penetrated into the federal agencies. Whiteness is terrorism. That's what they're telling the people whose job it is to defend our country, the U.S. military. This show has obtained video of a U.S. Air Force staff psychologist, a man called Dr. Ryan Warner, leading an online seminar called Unmasking Microaggressions in the Workplace that happened on June 5th. In the video lecture, which was also delivered to the USDA and the Forest Service, Warner linked so-called microaggressions to the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Watch. These innocent, subtle things, they may not seem like a big deal to some, but as we see in today's society, similar to what happened to George Floyd, those microaggressions, those unconscious bias, can ultimately lead to more significant and severe impacts. Right. So if you hadn't offended your coworker by asking her where she's from, a microaggression, then George Floyd might still be alive. That's lunacy. It's also incredibly stupid. But it's the official me message of a staff psychologist at a U.S. Air Force base. It's not just Dr. Warner. He's a symptom of a much larger problem. Remember that this summer it emerged that the U.S. Army's so-called Operation Inclusion told soldiers in Alabama that the phrase Make America Great Again is a form of, quote, socially acceptable covert white supremacy. Right. That's the campaign slogan of the commander in chief. Now, according to the Army's, quote, in Equity and Inclusion Agency, the phrases all lives matter, American exceptionalism, and, quote, the celebration of Columbus Day are also examples of white supremacy. They're racist, too. It goes on like this. In May of 2017, the U.S. Coast Guard spent 8600 bucks on diversity training led by white fragility author and noted lunatic Robin DiAngelo. The Defense Intelligence Agency, meanwhile, a supposedly serious place staffed by serious people, also endorsed D'Angelo's crackpot race theories. The head of the DIA, Lieutenant General Robert Ashley, said in a recent town hall and in his weekly email to employees that white fragility was recommended reading. Meanwhile, over at NASA, employees are being directed to resources concerning white fragility, an Atlantic piece, the Atlantic magazine, called Microaggressions Matter, and a guide on how to be a good, quote, white ally. Remember, this is an agency that you pay for that is designed to launch rockets and study space. In August of 2018, the Department of the Navy gave a group called White Men as Full Diversity Partners almost 10 grand a contract for training services. That was the same group that hosted a three-day diversity re-education camp last year at Sandia National Laboratories. That's the outfit that designs our nuclear weapons to defend the country existentially. In the opening session for white men, and only white men, at Sandia Labs, the trainers demanded that the men make a list of associations about white male culture. This is so sick. The trainers wrote that some of the associations included, quote, white supremacists, KKK, Aryan Nation, MAGA hat, privileged, and mass killings. Is anyone actually okay with this? Does anyone want to be subjected to this? Want your sons subjected to this? They didn't do anything wrong. They were just born a certain way. This is evil. And it's also the most corrosive thing we can do. It's hard to imagine even MSNBC contributors really want, I don't know, nuclear submarines in our Navy, wasting time hating themselves when they should be defending our nation. So what is this really about? Why are they doing this? 
Well, of course, it's about capturing the U.S. military for the political left. That's what it's about, nothing else. And it's working. At the Pentagon, a shockingly high number of flag officers seem sympathetic to radical left-wing social theories. Shockingly high. Secretary of Defense Mark Esper clearly is as well. Even among uniformed troops, new polls show that the president's support is now underwater. So the point is, their plans have paid off. The question is, why is the left so intent on controlling the minds of our military? Well, there could be many reasons for that. None of them are good. Chris Rufo is the man who first broke this story. He's a writer at City Journal. We're happy to have him on back tonight. Chris, thanks so much for coming on, and congratulations on the happy and good and the effect your reporting has had, which is, I think, good for America. Tell us the extent of this kind of poison in our armed services. I'll tell you, it's absolutely ubiquitous. Uh, critical race theory is something that emerged in academia, uh, has spread through the more soft science divisions of the federal government. Uh, but in the last 72 hours, I've had dozens of leaks from uh, service members talking about trainings and microaggressions, uh, trainings and toxic masculinity, uh, and other critical race theory essentials. And it's got to the point that the West Point Military Academy is now teaching cadets uh, with required reading a textbook called Critical Race Theory and Introduction as part of one of its leadership courses. Uh, this is no longer in the shadows. Uh, they are making this part of the core curriculum at our highest military institutions, uh, and they're doing it brazenly uh, and almost everywhere. The, the problem with doing this in the military, even more so than in corporate America or other branches of government, is that it is by definition a top-down authoritarian structure. It has to be in order to work. So you can't, as an enlisted soldier, a young officer even, say, I'm, I'm opting out. I, I don't want to participate. I mean, this is mandatory in the truest sense. Yeah, it is. And I think that the, the real problem is that when you're teaching our soldiers, these are people who should be uh, trained to use lethal force. Uh, these should be the warriors that defend our country. Uh, you're teaching them that they're actually uh, suffer from toxic masculinity. Uh, you're trying to degrade their sense of identity, their sense of power, uh, their sense of force. Uh, this is something that will, in time, endanger the national security of the United States. And I think the real problem is that top military brass, uh, top people in the Defense Department uh, are too cowardly to stand up to the critical race theorists. How are they going to stand up to the regime in China and America's tough adversaries all over the world? Well, they're, they're too weak to say the war in Afghanistan should come to a close. I mean, th these are people who really have something to answer for, in my opinion. But let me ask you, since you've been covering this, has anybody at the level of colonel or general that you know of complained about this and said, wait, this is not our core mission? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is kind of rumbling and private conversations, but I'll tell you that the directives come absolutely from the top. Uh, they're coming from the top military brass, and people are frankly too afraid to speak out. They're too afraid to be uh, have racial epithets or, or, or criticisms thrown their way. Uh, and people are in a position of hiding. Uh, military officers have sent me uh, leaked information on condition of anonymity because they're worried about retaliation. Uh, so this is something that has very little buy-in at the rank-and-file uh, soldiers, at, at, at people in the academies. Uh, but this is something that is really emerging from the top down, and I think we have to get to the bottom of this uh, because you cannot have this kind of ideology uh, in, in control of our, the United States military. Yeah. Well, we'd love to have the Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, a former defense contractor, on this show anytime to explain himself. We hope he's brave enough to do that. Chris Rufo, thanks so much for your indispensable reporting on this. Thank you. Well, mandatory taxpayer-funded trainings on critical race...
Now, those that have been with me since uh, 2015, roughly, I think is when I started this, or early 2016, I have covered this exclusively every time it came up, and that's why we used to do a college section. And today we're doing a little bit in our woke, but I haven't had to cover college because we're living it. I actually have an article today. We're all living in college. But this shit has been done on purpose. And it goes well with this Michael McFall. Trump has lost the intelligence community. He's lost the State Department. He's lost the military. How can he continue to serve as commander-in-chief? And there's photos of him going out on Christmas Day and visiting Arlington. There's vets have to remove American flag stories I could read. But as it was alluded to in the Tucker... And there's two points I'm going to make on this whole he didn't land in fucking France and said they're all fucking loser lie. Point one being, they are doing this on purpose. They can't win this block, but by forcing it, Obama, I mean, you go back to the Obama administration, nothing they that he did was to better social justice, how people thought of other people. His whole premise was to brainwash America and make it vote them. When he was worried about an election, he went to the IRS and used it. Then he went and did DACA. Then he made sure that uh, he pushed up, because I I don't think it just went up by itself, gay marriage to win those votes. Then he brought trannies in the military without consulting with anybody. And now you see... That in the background, he's trying to make the federal government liberal. Regardless of who the administration is, this is now law. You have to do these critical race theories. you got to bring white people in and flog them. you got to tell everybody they're fucking racist. It's all the stuff we talked about on the show that used to be in college. But Obama's a smart guy. He decided, I'm taking it to the street. I'm going to make everybody have to eat this shit. And maybe we'll get more Democratic voters. It's devious. It is no different than his plan to have everybody on the dole because then you'll always vote Democrat. It's no deep more devious than what the left wants to do right now. Everybody's legal because you'll vote for us, even though there's a story there on problems with Latinos in Florida. But it's if the right did this and they used to with Christianity, the media would be up in arms. Because all it is is a big voter get-out-the-vote plan. Their whole riots, riotous summer has been a get-out-the-vote plan. The locky in your house, get-out-the-vote plan. Nothing they fucking do is for the betterment of America. They hate America. They want to destroy America. And they'll do it just to get power. The second part, and I'm going to play it in a montage, is Seltzer and Stephanopoulos, they're still trying to push this because it failed. It just didn't work. And I wanted to get these sound bites, and I think i cover it later, but I wanted to get it up front because, especially the Stephanopoulos, literally yelling at somebody because they won't buy the bullshit that the commander-in-chief hates vets or hates the army. They really believe they could pull that. Trump ain't a regular Republican, but on their his worst day, a moderate, middle-of-the-road conservative is better than anything the left does because you just want to disband the army and hand the money to poor people in your districts. Brian Seltzer's oh, here. 
He is CNN's chief uh, media correspondent. Brian, wow. White House fiercely denying you're the president, denying this. But they didn't deny things that turn out to be true. They don't deny things that turn out to be true all the time. Excuse me. They do deny things that turn out to be true uh, all the time. What do you think of this? They do, yeah, yeah. That's the thing about this, Don. Normally, the denials from the president and his aides would carry some weight. But for three and a half years, the White House has squandered its credibility Mm -hmm. to the point where its words are essentially worthless and the denials mean very little. Jeffrey Goldberg is the top editor of The Atlantic, one of the most respected journalists in Washington. He has sources at high levels who have been confiding in him for years. So this has to be taken seriously, as your panel just said, and other outlets are starting to match this. I think, Don, we have to keep, you know, the the White House's credibility in mind when we cover this. But it is also incumbent on the sources, on the people that are talking to Goldberg, on the people that are talking to other outlets. The president's denying it explicitly. So it's put up or shut up time. It is September 3rd. The election is in two months. What are these figures doing where they are uh, insisting on anonymity when we know so many people have already left the government? There are so many former Trump officials who are no longer in government. Why aren't those people coming forward and putting their names to these quotes? I think that's a big question for the morning, Don. Where are these sources? Who are these sources? And will any of them go on the record now? And the reaction, because this is what you do, the reaction, especially from um state TV or conservative media will be to attack, attack, attack and destroy and and try to impugn people's reputation or say it's not credible or this is someone who's who was upset Mm. because because they left the White House. You know the game. They ignore until they have to deflect. They deflect until they have to distract. They distract until they have to deny. And right now, it's still the ignore phase, right? Right Right-wing media will ignore this story in the Atlantic uh, until they have to react to it. And yes, eventually, they'll deny it. They'll attack the messengers. Uh, That is why it's so important for figures who have been in the inner circle of the Trump world to speak on the record, as Miles Taylor did last week. And by the way, if others want to speak in support of the president, that's a good thing too. People should attach their names to these comments because we are in the final innings of the most important game uh, of many, many years. Let's talk about that Atlantic article causing such an uproar. You said you didn't hear the president make those disparaging remarks about the military. But how do you explain why General John Kelly, who was the president's chief of staff at the time, hasn't come forward to deny the allegations? His silence is pretty deafening. Uh, That's a question you'd have to ask General Kelly. What I can tell you, I was there that day. I was part of those conversations, and those things didn't happen. But not only, George, was I there that day, but I spent more time with the president over two and a half years than just about anybody outside of his family. And I saw a president who loves this country, who loves the men and women of our armed forces. I sat with him in the Oval Office as he had to make that awful call to let a parent know that their son had been killed killed in Afghanistan. At no time other than that moment have I seen the president show his heart more, show his vulnerability more than in that time. That's because he understands the sacrifice those people are making. Nothing could be further from the truth than the fact that this is a president who loves our country and loves and respects the men and women who fight for it and protect it and allow the rest of us to live in it. Sarah, you just said something I want to clarify. You said you, you were with the president when he called a family to notify them that their son 
had been killed in Afghanistan. I thought it was a military protocol that it was always the military that went in person to see the parents. Are you talking about a condolence call? Yes, correct. A condolence call after that after that individual had been notified. Yeah, your your book comes out the same day as Michael Cohen. Of course, he's the president's former lawyer. Comes out with a very different book, blasting the president, calling him a racist, a liar, saying he's willing to manipulate the ballots in order to win the election. It follows the books of John Bolton, the national security advisor, who called him a danger to the republic. Com comments from James Mattis, the former Pentagon secretary, Rex Tillerson, the former secretary of state, have all been highly critical. How do you explain why they? have such a different take on the president from the take you have? Well, I think it's really simple. I think mine is actually the honest account. You're looking at people who have left as disgruntled employees, people who tried to push their own agenda. Let's remember, All only them, two the people were elected State, in November Secretary? of 2016, George. I'm sorry, but let's not forget whose agenda was selected by the American people. Over 63 million people came out and overwhelmingly put their stamp down that they wanted Donald Trump to be their president. Not John Bolton, not Rex Tillerson, not James Mattis. They wanted Donald Trump and they wanted his agenda. And these are individuals who had a very different agenda so than why the, did president. the president. Pick and them? you're going to have friction when those moments happen. And they have to remember that Donald Trump is the only one that was president and it was his agenda that was meant to be carried out. They were chosen by the president for those jobs. And certainly having a difference of opinion is not a bad thing. And I think that's one of the reasons the president has been successful. He's willing to listen to those people. But at the end of the day, it's his decision to make. And I think he's done a fantastic job doing that, moving our country forward and delivering on the promises that he said. I think my story um, is very candid, very authentic, and shows you a different side of the president that you're not going to see on the news media and certainly uh, not from some people that left, not necessarily all on their own. We talked about it briefly last podcast, but to think that this wasn't a setup or a, you know, not a Nancy Pelosi setup, but a real setup. Democrat Super PAC launches $4 million campaign in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania on the veteran article from the Atlantic. It was staged. That video was staged and ready. Don't think it wasn't. But the most important question I have for you, if he's really ahead by 10 points, it's going to be an electoral landslide of 341 again. Why are they doing all this? They know their internals. For fuck's sake, we got Biden today saying it's only Donald Trump talking about the fucking defund. Are you fucking shitting me? And then there was even an article I read the other day, which is true. He has taken over Trump's campaign. He's saying whatever Trump says. That's his plan. Hasn't said anything other than whatever they say because he's in the basement drinking his Metamucil. Here are the questions. This comes from Byron York, and I want to make sure this is up front once again. Many of the questions Joe Biden, after his remarks today, consider, consisted of reporters asking Biden to elaborate on how bad Trump is. Here are actual questions. What does the Atlantic article tell you about Trump's soul? What would you say to supporters of QAnon? Trump mocked you for wearing a mask. Have you been tested for covid William Barr said on CNN that China poses the most aggressive threat to U.S. elections. 
We haven't seen much of Senator Harris out campaigning. Why is that? Do you know when you'll have another COVID test? Trump suggested voters vote twice. What do you make of that? You said today is the angriest you've been at a presidential candidate. Some people will say, why isn't Joe Biden angrier? We, I'm going to play that one today, too, by the way. We know the president's been attacking mail-in voting. So has Russia. Are you concerned? You got that, the Russia? On today's jobless report, you've acknowledged that less than half of the jobs lost this spring have been recovered. What do the 1.4 million jobs gained in August say about the economy? Would you support more Muslim countries normalizing relations with Israel? The very first question was from the Atlantic staff. He teed up the Atlantic. And Ben Shapiro, the media are simply the PR wing for the Biden campaign. They really are. Not a single question about what do you plan to do on the economy? Are you going to defund police? Are you going to make everybody legal? Are you going to open up our borders? Are you going to defund ICE? Are you going to make it mandatory that every fucking goddamn community give all their money to black people? Are you going to shove Section 8 inside normal suburbs because you want to punish people? Are you going to continue treating Christians like shit because that's on our woke today? Are you, are you, are you, are you going to make it federal? Are you going to repeal the Hyde Amendment? They're not asking those questions. They haven't asked a single thing about what the left's going to do. They just give the same line they always do. They're moving forward. They care about people. Hmm. Well, I guess they haven't this summer because August gun sales up 57%, setting new record. 2020 is on page to see the most gun sales in American history. Sales are currently 43% higher than 2013, previous record. 58% of of firearm purchases were among African Americans. Women comprised 40% first-time gum purchases. Retailers are seeing 95% increase in firearm sales and 139% increase in ammunition. Brady Pack. I'm seeing little old women, little old men in their 70s and 80s buying. They never owned a gun in their lives. I'm seeing single mongers, single mothers, not muggers. There's plenty of muggers out there, too. Panic buying guns will not protect Americans from the coronavirus. (laughs) That's their talking point. Moms demand action. Sorry, I had a page freeze for a second. New data from the FBI's National Instant Criminal Background Check System found 3.1 million background checks were conducted in August 2020. That translates to an estimated 1.75 million guns sold, an astounding 58% increase. Even Biden knows why, you dolts. Joe Biden condemns Antifa. Violence no matter who it is. May to June, June to July, July to August. Three and a half months later, almost four months, he finally says something. That's why they're buying the guns, you fucking moon bats. And the simple fact that they're trying to pin it that it's Trump's America, that's why everybody's not safe. Are you fucking shitting me? Really? The reason why we're not safe is because everything's turned liberal. For a quick little COVID, because I just ignore it, This came from Sean in Oregon. The COVID-19 pandemic is demonstrating what we all know. Millennia of patriarchy has resulted in a male-dominated world with a male-dominated culture which damages everyone, women, men, boys, girls, and boys. Why is the UN talking in fucking critical race intersectionality? And if COVID's so bad, 
Why haven't anybody, hasn't anybody talked about Kamalia Harris, who was an anti-vaxxer? Whole article's on it. Yeah, we don't cover it. No. Why? Chris Hayes literally had the balls to say Trump is objectively pro-COVID. Czar Beckett Adams looks up for microscope. Indeed, sir, all empirical evidence points to the irrefutable fact that the president is indeed pro-coronavirus. He just loves it. He has it all over at least once a week for a poker. Drew Holden, the latest talking point now that pro-Russia and anti-military have gone up in smoke. And that's true. They always go back to COVID thinking they can use COVID. But if you really think about it, why have they not talked about impeaching the President of the United States? Because their internals tell them they're not, and their internals, as I promised. A poll of 500 likely Miami-Dade voters released Tuesday found President Trump far behind Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden in Miami-Dade, where Democrats typically need to run up the score in order to complete in statewide races. Greg Polowitz, this is a weird way to summarize an article that says Biden is struggling with Latino voters. Biden is struggling to win Miami Latinos, new poll finds. Will it cost him Florida? Could have been your title. But because we're here in this world where nothing negative will go out in any print, digital, paper, vocal, it doesn't matter, towards Biden because they want him to win, they don't put the important shit like Dave Smiley. New poll of Miami-Dade, made uh, Dade by Bendix Demand, finds Biden up 17, well below Clinton's 16 level, and a bit below Gillum and Nelson in 18. Trump holds a one-point lead among Hispanic voters. Massive gains with Cubans. Hillary Clinton won Miami-Dade by 30 points. But they're not going to put that out. If they put that out, it makes sense that the left's spitting to say whatever the fuck they can. And they're picking up Trump's campaign rhetoric. Anifa's bad. Oh, really? Hmm. So, that's our upfront stuff. Let's fucking get woke. Turn it up. Turn it on. Rock it like we bad to the bone. Get on the floor. Run it loose. Gotta put this to let it speak to you. If you need education in the party scene. If you think you can dance with me. This ain't no joke. Turn up. Let's get woke. Ay, 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 bow, 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 Lil pump in the cut. Ay, gang shit, 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 gang shit. Wow, we haven't played that in a long time. Tim Kennedy was the first person I saw this from. There's no such thing as willing child. I don't care what your legislation say. I don't even care what the voters say. We answer to a higher moral justice. Any sexual interaction with a child is wrong. California legislature passes bill reducing penalties for oral anal sex with willing children. New California bill will lower penalties for adults who have sexual relationship with a minor. 
as long as they're willing. SB 132, giving male intimates, inmates, the right, this, this is what was in the bill. SB 132, I'm sorry, there's, that's different bill. SB 132, giving male inmates the legal right to live in women's prison if they claim a feminine gender identity from Scott Weiner. 145, lowers the penalty for adults who have sex with willing same-sex minors. A judge can decide if the adult has to register as a sex offender if the rapist is younger than 10 years old. SB, oh Jesus Christ, 10? That's your benchmark? SB 1237 and AB 890 allows non-physicians to do first trimester surgical and medical abortions. 2218 would provide money for sterilized drugs and surgeries for children and adults with gender dysphoria. It establishes an LGBT transgender wellness fund to provide taxpayer money to non-profit hospital, healthcare clinics, and others including Planned Parenthood for puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and mastectomies for minors as young as 13. That's what they put into law. And I told you it was coming. MAP. MAP is coming. The left believes you can fuck little boys because they want the butt. They want the votes. They want the gay vote. So gays fuck little kids and they have their little chickens. Remember? TV show on Netflix. They don't want to change that. That would be bad. That is the sickest shit I've ever heard. Until I read the New Yorker magazine. I'm not reading it because it pisses me off too much. Convicted of sex crime, but with no victims, an online sting operation to catch child predators snared hundreds of men. What were they really guilty of? I know some of you thought I was just a fucking nutbag with my map shit. Minor attracted person. The left's all in on this shit. They don't think a guy in chat rooms where somebody says they're 10, 12, 13, and he tries to hook up with them, is wrong. Well, they didn't really do anything. Wallace, normals go, that motherfucker should have his dick and balls ripped off. He should be an unsullied from fucking Game of Thrones instantly. Nothing. He should have a fucking P-tube the rest of his fucking life. But it's not only them. It's all this sick sex stuff. No matter how much the New York Times pumps Palomori, it's not good for kids. Whole articles of Palomori and how kids should be allowed to do it. Then Time Mag. Gift of insane gender-creative parenting on kids. Raising them our adventure in gender-creative parenting. Gender-neutral pronouns. Gender this. No colors. Netflix Cartoon Hoops sexualizes minors with porn and prostitutes. Netflix Hoops, a raunchy cartoon released on August 21st, is definitely for adults. Just the series isn't for kids, neither is the main character, Ben Hopkins, who coaches the Lenwood High School basketball team. Ben is an inappropriate, immature character who often says fuck. He also has a bizarre fascination that makes known to all, such as with the film Little Man Tate, and the dream of getting his multiple dicks sucked. 
goes on to have him flirting with kids. The whole that's 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 great. Hoops might be horrifying on its own, but it's far from the only Netflix show sexualizing minors. When it comes to animation, Big Mouth sexualizes middle schoolers, while F is for family sexualizes young children. You may have heard the outcry surrounding cuties. We talked about it. Netflix canceled their series of all the Trey Queen RuPaul, a 10-year-old. That was the other one. Twerkin preteen, the boy chicken. Netflix television adaptation of Babysitter Club engaged in child abuse by featuring trans children. From the very first scene, Netflix let viewers know that teenage bounty hunters was going to be a problem as a 16-year-old seduces her boyfriend with Bible verses. There's plenty to Netflix sex education series. Its first season featured an abortion, while its second season opened with trans teens, masturbation, and morning after pill. I don't even know what to fucking say. These are the people that are going to run the country. These are Biden voters. Star Trek Discovery ads glad approved trans and non-binary roles. Shove it in wherever you can. HBO's Lovecraft Country features naked intersex two-spirit woman. Yeah, my voice cracked. What in the actual fucking fuck of a fucking fuck is that? Why? Why, 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 why is this a thing? Can anybody tell me? And then this morning, as I'm taking my morning constitution, because we've covered this on the show, I'm not trying to say it like I'm a soothsayer, I got a crystal ball. I'm just saying almost everything I've been covering is coming fucking true from the beginning of the fucking show. And we talked about Glad. New Oscar standards say best picture contenders must be inclusive to compete. The latest step on ongoing effort to boost diversity, both within its own ranks and across the film industry, on Tuesday, the Film Academy announced new representation standards for films to be eligible to compete for Best Picture. Developed over the past few years by a special task force as part of an organized Academy Aperture 2025 initiative, the standard encompassed both representation on screen and the type of stories being told and the actors involved, as well as behind the scenes and makeup and the crew and people delivering donuts. You're going to have to go find the gay black dude in a dress donut shop. Previously, the only standard to qualify for Best Picture involved film's running time over 40 minutes and specifics about how, where, and when it's screened in a public venue. The new standard will go into effect until the 96th Oscar in 2024 at a time of racial reckoning both for Hollywood and the nation. As a whole, the Academy believes the requirements provide a roadmap for how the industry can ensure that at least these films that compete for the highest honor are... In the woke category, uh, the new standards of allocating the diverse global population of cannabis community plan, British Institute, BAFTAs, consultation producers. Okay, what the fuck is the damn thing? Among the new standards, those concerning on screen representation are likely to garner the most scrutiny. Indeed, some recent Best Picture nominees that featured almost exclusively white and male cast include the World War I film 1917, the Gains the Irishman, might have had difficulty meeting the new on screen standard. Those standards require one of the following. 
at least one of the lead actors or significant supporting actors is from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. At least 30% of all actors in the secondary and more minor roles are from certain underrepresented groups or the main storyline theme or narrative is centered on an underrepresentative group. So, as I remember from back in the day, when I was a drill sergeant, right at the end, it was in the Clinton administration, and this sergeant major was a racist piece of shit who got kicked out of the army for fucking privates. He was so woke and awesome when it happened. But long story short, he went out one day and he said, uh, fix this. And the next thing you know, this staff E8 walks around. Okay, we need a black person, we need a white person, we need a woman, we need this. And the fronts of our platoons graduating had to be racially diverse and gender diverse. And I thought that was some crazy-ass shit. Fast forward 24 years later, and now every movie is going to have to have eeny, meeny, miny, motherfucking mo. You got to be gay, black, and it still won't be good enough because GLAAD still demands 25% representation so they can try to get the rest of the country that doesn't believe it's 25% gay to believe it's 25% gay. And they'll bitch that, oh, they had a gay character, but he was white. So basically going forward, you can guarantee every fucking movie going to the big screen is going to be something you would have seen on fucking Netflix. Kiss my white ass. So we're going to take a break. We're going to listen to the new Mad X 11X song that he put out and it's actually country music and I guess it is Gun Free Zone and when we come back in we're going to go into Everything's Racist I know we already do it in our violence but I I got some good ones anyway enjoy last night us from the rear They pulled out their guns and said Give me your money, son I said
London. So I did the only logical thing I knew to do and reached into my big old t-shirt drawer and pulled out my damn 50 cat. Now get on now, boy, Texas, America, America. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. side uh, that I always mitigate in these conversations because I want them to come on the show. You know there's systemic racism, no. Rick Santorum. You're going to try to say we're imperfect. Uh, we have problems with racism. You don't want to say it. Why? Because the president won't say it. You want to say you agree with me well, so you don't Chris, sound like a fool, thing, but you don't want to say the term because he no, won't say it. No, they and that's their know. weakness. They don't know. When has anyone ever admitted that they had a problem. Have you ever known, have you ever had a family member or a friend who had an issue, whether it's addiction or whatever it is, who admitted to it? People don't Very like to admit few, they have people problems. Don't, so America has a problem with race. Rick says, okay, you know, uh, they want people to believe that race is... Yes, it's in pretty much everything. Look yes. at how the country was founded. Look at what's happening on the streets of, of American cities and not even not just playing out in America. Look at what's happening with monuments and statues. Look at what's happening. Look at what the Look president what happens with is priority. Uh, Look what with, happens with pay. With lending, with all sorts of things. housing, with Housing, adoption. all of it. And so to pretend that it doesn't exist and to come up with some boogeyman about critical race theory, there are people who are out there, I'm sure young people or people who haven't been involved in the political conversation, who think that this is something new. It is not. It is another boogeyman. You have, you know, but it works. Every time some sort of Willie Horton-esque thing comes back every four years or in political battles. Willie Horton battles. was George H.W. Yeah. Bush and Dukakis, yeah, but where Roger Ailes made Horton over look extra over. black to scare white people. Scaring white people but works. But listen, here's what I have to say. And you, if you talk to women, honestly, they will tell you, if you're a man and you haven't, atta- you haven't taken advantage of the privilege or the advantages you have in this society, then maybe you're doing it wrong. If you speak to some people of color, they will tell you the same thing. If you are a white person and you have not taken advantage of being able to always get loans, always get an education, always vote, always have every priority, even if you're poor, if you haven't been able to take advantage of that, then maybe you're doing it wrong. But you should not be blaming the people who don't have agency in society along with you. There is another blame for it, but it's not those people. You're just being pitted against those people because someone is taking advantage of you. Some, you're the mark. You're the person that keeping the other people rich. They're playing keeping you the other for people a sucker. in power. They are pay, playing you for a sucker. You are the mark to the con that is going on. Yes. So this whole idea about 
There is no privilege in society for white people. That's bullshit. There is a privilege. There is no privilege in society for men. That is bull. There is a privilege. There is no privilege in society. If you're a Christian, there is a privilege in this society because we prioritize Christianity, even though we're supposed to be a country that believes in freedom of religion. But yet, what do we do? And we demonize Muslims. We demonize Islam. We demonize anybody who is pretty much not a Christian or even but if Islam you don't hates believe us. in religion. Islam hates demon- us, though. But that's the whole point. You're making my point. So to believe that there aren't certain privileges in this society, this American society no, that are right. not unique to America, is just plain you, old You're absurd. right. But only the president makes that grotesque argument. No, no. The Other people make the thing, argument. He is just using it to his political no, advantage. No, but what I'm saying is at the tight of, top of the food chain, the fraud food chain, mm. you have the president. Yeah. He says no systemic racism, just some bad apples. Yeah. I say you got to look at the whole orchard. OK, yeah. he says it. So Rick Santorum, who knows that everything you just said is true. He might argue degree, yeah. but it's true. But he can't say there's systemic racism because Trump says there isn't. Yeah. See, the problem for Rick Santorum is he is smart enough to know the truth and intentionally not saying it to protect Trump. Yeah. And that is a political Sin. I don't know if he's that smart. I think he probably believes what he believes, but I think that people who well, he says he agrees with me that each of the problems exist. What is it in the collective if they each exist except systemic racism? Yeah, that's what it is. He doesn't want to say it because Trump won't say it, and they fear him, and they have something the left doesn't have: cohesion, baby. They're all (laughs) let me tell you something. Uh, They're not afraid of Joe Biden. They're afraid of what Joe Biden represents. They're not afraid of being of Trump being replaced by Biden. They're afraid of what may replace them as the preeminent voice or maybe the voice that is not yeah, so a strong good fear. and doesn't have the advantage that it does in society. Powerful fear. That is what it is. And that's why they overlook yeah. all of Trump's obvious failings. They support Trump. They're not despite overlooking Trump. it. They're, they're agreeing with it. There is no overlooking. You cannot overlook Trump. He is in our faces every day saying exactly people what he's saying. Over, There's people no way will tell of you all the time when you're not yelling at him in private life. I know he lies. I know he's a bad guy. But I, I hope you correct him and say you're and not. There's no guys. way you can overlook him. You cannot overlook no, a bully. A bully punches I'm you in the face. scared of what will follow him. I'm telling you, they're, yes, they're more scared of what will follow him and what will follow him. It's not Joe Biden. It's what Joe Biden represents. It is what it represents for them as a person or as a people or that you kooky, no longer have lefties and crazy blacks coming to burn down will their you let me finish that you no longer have the advantage or the privilege that you have once had in this society. That's what the fear is. The fear is not Joe Biden. It's not Kamala Harris. It is what the fear is the inevitable. Yeah, no matter how much they fight it, it is the inevitable. Trump may hold back what they think is going to happen for a moment, but he's not. It's astroturf. It's not going to happen. This country is going to move on. The more people who like me and you who will talk, the more people who are in mixed interracial relationships, the more people who will overlook the, that BS, as this country, as the world continues to grow, this is not going to be the same society where the same people have a preeminent voice. It just is what it is. So you're it just may be for this prolonging election. the inevitable. I'm poor. I'm not addicted to racism. You fucking dolt. But they're running out of things. We talk about it in every podcast. They're just running out of things to freaking say is racist. They just really are. It's, it's almost pathetic. 
but they persist. Hot Take, the Alien and Predator movies franchise reinforce anti-black racism. Oh, really? The conversation. Did not read it. Washington Post lose the toxic positivity. It's a white American privilege. Really? Are you Debbie the Downer or Gloomy Gus? Is your Indian name Dark Cloud? Do you find that when the going gets tough, the tough get away from you like you're radioactive? Well, cheer up. Washington Post is good news. Or maybe don't cheer up. In the August 19th edition of the Post wellness section, Allison Chu. Mm-hmm. She's in a little minority group so she can say this stuff. Wants you to know that you no longer have to live with the tyranny of reassuring platitudes and other traffics of toxic positivity. You think nothing will be fine and there's no silver lining? Well, you do you because how you feel is valid no matter what. Anxiety and depression, among other mental health problems, have surged to historic levels in recent months. So it seems a lot of folks are buying the fear porn, the images of violence, and blah, 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 but... Only white people can feel happy because of racism. That's the whole article in a nutshell. Good shit. Then we have the Hockey Diversity Alliance. To be quite honest, I didn't even know there was a hockey diversity group. But, oh, okay. Today, the players of the NHL playoff bubble became allies in a time of professional opportunity They chose to put their athletic goals aside and stand up for the greater good. Tonight, please take a moment to reflect on the Jacob Blake shooting and the importance of the BLM movement. Post I Support HCA at game time to show your support to the players and lead initiatives. Rick Westhead breaks them down. The HCA has also made several other requests to the NHL, among them the team owners of NHL rinks to be used as polling stations for upcoming elections. Gotta get the Dems voting. The HDA also wants the NHL to be fully transparent about all information related to the politics, targets, and commitments related to the hiring of employees or visible minorities. The HDA also asked the NHL to commit to funding $100 million for over 10 years to battle systemic racism and fund PLM protests and violence and looting and, and fucking reappropriating goods. The association has suggested that money go towards grassroots programs, social justice initiatives, anti-racism education, youth scholarship, and coach training. The NHL has yet to sign the pledge. It's unclear of when the league will do so. The HDA asked for the NHL to run PSAs for the alliance during the playoffs and for NHL to have an on-ice presence of the HDA logo. The league, to this point, has not agreed to either one of those. The HDA has also proposed blackout warm-up jerseys to be held to build awareness for the Alliance. And basically said, if you don't do this, we're going to kill you. The best part, the HDA has also suggested the NHL make the statement by temporarily changing the blue line to the black one. Oh, really? Yeah. These fucking people. Exclusive British Library Chief Librarian claims racism is the creation of white people. Really? Okay. Michelle Obama claims she was invisible to white people while she was first lady. But there was a line and no one cared to came that Michelle Obama was in the store. There was a line. And once again, being when I'm just a black woman, I noticed that white women, people, 
didn't even see me. They're not even looking at me. But then a white woman cut in front of a group of, to order. She didn't apologize. She never looked me in the eye. She didn't know it was me. All she saw was a black person, a group of black people. Or maybe she didn't even see this, see that because we were that invisible. Or maybe she was a rude bitch. I'm a white guy. Black people cut in front of me all the time. I don't think they're doing it because I'm white. I don't see the world in racial prism. But you do because you're the first first lady in the world to say, I've only been proud of my country when my husband got elected. Because you're a fucking racist. And how were you invisible? We had to hear about your arms, your fat ass, your dick. Okay, we didn't hear about your dick. A lot of people online think you got a dick. I'm just throwing it out there. People say you're the guy and Barry's a girl. There's some ugly shit. It's just as dark as the fucking Trump shit. But I'm just saying, we heard a lot of Obamas. We are still hearing you. We had to listen to your shitty ass speech telling us we're all racist pieces of shit unless we vote for a guy who's been in the fucking government for 47 years and was with a fucking black president for eight years. And then fish fix shit on systemic racism, other than the covert fucking critical race theory. I guess they were working on it there. And be told you were the greatest speaker ever. The most popular politician in America. So saith Chuck Todd. But yeah. Yeah, you were invisible. Okay. Rod Dare, Northwest University Law School, had a town hall meeting online recently. Everybody began with a ritual denunciation of themselves as racist. Reader, Professor Sept is not a racist. He's a wonderful man universally loved by students. It makes me sad that he was forced to say otherwise. My name is Emily Mullen. I am a racist and a gatekeeper of white supremacy. I will work to be better. Sarah Somerville. Thank you all so much. My name is Sarah Somerville. I'm a racist. From James Septa. I'm Jim Septa. And I'm a racist. Uh, me and my wife have been talking about it. If I was in a company that I would walk the fuck out. I don't care if I had to sell my house. I don't give a flying fuck. There's no way I would sit in a room and have people beat on me. No. 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 No, 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 no. We're not doing it. We're not fucking doing this. But this is how they brainwash people. And the best way to show it, because I didn't know where to put it. This is viral. Some of you have probably seen it. It's some lady in terror because her parents live in Ohio. And they're going to vote for Trump. So she got in her car. She tried to get famous emergency. I am back in my hometown, in my home state of Ohio, because I just found out that my entire family plans to vote for Trump in November. And this is a really, really big deal because Ohio is a swing state that was won by Trump in 2016, but only by like a couple of votes per county. So every vote is incredibly important here. And my whole family are registered as independents. They voted for Obama and then they voted for Trump. So basically I'm here to just try and get them to like save the country. This is really bad timing because I just reconnected with Paige and I am like dying to go back to LA. So have our first date but if we lose this election we could lose everything you might not even be able to love who you want to love and i'm not willing to take that chance so if your family is anything like mine i am begging you to do something call them drive home just do whatever it takes for them to to vote blue are you with me 
And then you even have college kids. And here, here's before, because we're about to go into the college section. Justifying looting. Because they've been brainwashed by this critical race theory. It's not looting. It's reappropriating goods. I'm Kevin Phillips with Campus Reform. As rioting and protesting continues to happen around the country, we're here in Washington, D.C., asking college students whether they think looting is ever an acceptable form of protest. What will they have to say? Let's find out. Do you think that looting is ever uh, something that can be justified in terms of a protest? Yeah, in my opinion, I think it's like, I think definitely it could be justified, um, given that that's pretty much the only way we could get our message out there. I'm, I don't want to say, actually, yeah, I'm in support of the riots personally. Whatever you need to do to be heard is is the cost of it. I feel like it's inevitable that if change is going to come, there will be some violence that comes with that. Honestly, I think it's justified. I mean, <laughs> the people in power have stolen so much more. Anything that any of them loot will never match up to how much has been stolen from them. I think it is um, sort of necessary because we haven't been getting traction that... Um, that probably needs to happen. You know, in the case of many uh, white nationalist protests that have gotten violent, the conversation has never been about like, their looting and the violence that they bring. I mean, it's easier to characterize people of color as violent than white people, I guess. Um, I definitely don't think that like looting is 100% like a black and white issue. You should really reevaluate where you put people in to like physical things as well. But people own those physical things though, I mean, and they're being destroyed. Could be replaced though. Like if it's a Target, Target is like a multi-million dollar like company. At the end of the day, they can flip that and get it back. Why is that fair? Um, I guess it's all just part of the healing process. I mean, like some people get caught in the way and that's unfortunate, but for meaningful progress to happen, um, unfortunate things happen. It's very tough, and I, like, apologize to those business owners, but at the same time, I feel like it's kind of inevitable. So what would be your message to the business owner that says, you can protest, but when you destroy my building, you're taking away my way of making money for my family? I can understand uh, the business owner's side as well. Um, it is a tricky situation, but um, I'm leaning more towards being able to, you know, protest out there, kind of rioting. Um, every now and then. If you in any way have been like responsible for like the gentrification that has happened in that community or like the loss that has happened in that community, like understand that there's a larger, there's a larger cause that people are fighting for versus like the cost that's going to take to repair your small business. Peaceful protest has been attempted for so long and obviously it really isn't working. Our institutions and the powers that be haven't really responded to this issue. Um, in a substantive manner. So, like, inevitably something is going to happen. Do you think that should be a crime? Do you think those people should be charged? Uh, to some extent, I don't think it should be anything too, like, too heavy on them. Um, just because a lot of people are going to be participating in that sort of uh, activities. I certainly believe that looting is illegal. Uh, so it must be um, seized. Got it. That's all I can say. Got it. All right. Well, thank you so much for the conversation. We really appreciate the back and forth. Of course. It's great that this country, this beautiful country, has all the right to express their thoughts, opinions in in um, uh, whatever form 
they want to utilize unless it's violent, right? Because we do not want to cause another chaos by protesting for another something that we want to protect, we want to cherish. So um, as long as it's peaceful, as long as it's um, within the boundaries of rule of law, uh, I think um, it is good, it is good. And when they're not getting it in college, they're getting it on CNN. Listen to this horse shit. It completely flies in the face of every experience. So many, not every, but experiences so many African-Americans have had, whether it's just getting pulled over, uh, experiences that I don't have, that you don't have, Wolf, uh, that, that Jeffrey doesn't have. And it's just the, the, the reality of what happens on the streets of cities and suburbs and everywhere in between in this country it is just a different experience and that is based in racial biases yeah yeah go ahead I, I, was gonna, I think the jesse jackson quote did uh happen it was a, it was many years ago okay but but there it's also true that racism is an idea right so anyone can have a racist idea so if you're jesse jackson if you've grown up in uh, America, which is sort of invented around ideas around a uh, race uh, in black pe- people uh, being lesser than, than white people, then perhaps Jesse Jackson has uh, sort of internalized those mm. ideas about uh, black people. So, I, I mean, so, so it's, it's perfectly uh, reasonable that some uh, African-American cops uh, hold racist ideas about other uh, black people, you know, other black men as, as, as more dangerous or whatever, because that is what is so uh, prevalent in American society, this idea that, that black people are more dangerous, uh, that black people are, are less than, uh, than than white people. So, you know, I mean, that's not a contradictory thing that he's saying there in terms of what Jesse Jackson might have said in some of the beliefs that, that African-American cops uh, might have. But my goodness, he is certainly uh, trying to avoid what Black Lives Matter uh, folks are trying to point to, which is the fact that Black people are treated differently uh, by cops uh, than white people. The, stati- the statistics show this in terms of them uh, black people being more likely uh, to be shot uh, by police officers uh, than uh, white Americans. So listen, this is part of what Republicans want to do. We heard this at the RNC. Uh, Nikki Haley saying America is not a racist country, although they're racist people uh, in this country. So that's essentially what he was trying to do there, I think. If there's no systemic racism. Maybe there are a couple of cops here and there uh, who treat black people differently based on stereotypes. Those stereotypes are obviously racist stereotypes. So he was all yeah. over the place. Can but I- again, this is what Donald Trump's message, I think, is about cops uh, as well as America. And, and Wolf, can I just say, Jesse Jackson did say it in the early 90s. Yeah. There's nothing more painful to me at this stage in my life than to walk down the street and hear footsteps and turn around to see someone white and feel relieved. But I, I, again, let's just go back to what Nia said. It's it's based on a lot lot of things that are very deep-seated. Everything is a sham on the left. It's just a sham. And then a news network would go with systemic racism, which isn't even a fucking thing. Just cracks me up. Jeffrey Miller, every institution in America is born from the blood of white supremacist ideology and capitalism, and that's the disease. New manifesto from APA. American Psychology Association who bent the knee to the tranny thing for kids. Yasha Malk, the American Psychology Psychological Association, I remember saying in English, pledges to abolish the disease of capitalism. 
the goal of the institution were to damage the public standing as much as possible, they could hardly do better. Capitalism, racism, Jesus fucking shit. Naturally, Robin D'Angelo is the only author other than the APA itself included under further reading. Stanford pushes narrative that it's nearly impossible to think outside white supremacy. So why are we even talking about it then? If it's so outside, fuck it. SFSU invited terrorist hijacker for university-sponsored events. Laura Whithorn participated in the 1983 United States Senate bombing as a member of the Armed Resistance. Are you catching a theme here? It's more than just, hey, we don't like the way the country's run. We don't want the country. Here's Washington and Lee defense course on how to overthrow the state. That's a class. How to overthrow the state, according to the description on the university website, the class, which is often titled Writing Seminar for First Year, is being taught by Assistant Professor of History Matt Gilden. The course places each student at the head of a popular revolutionary movement aiming to overthrow a sitting government and forge a better society. Why would we teach that class? Then you have Syracuse, Professor proclaims justifies bias against Republicans. Here's the fucking memo. Let me zoom it on in. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Enhance. 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 Anybody catch that? Yeah, that's super troopers. Yeah, you gotta love it. At this year's first meeting of the Syracuse University Senate, Chancellor Kent Surridge uses opening remarks to address the challenges of teaching public affairs and its intensifying climate of political polarization. I give the chancellors uh, that this is an extremely important professional challenge that faces each of the individuals of the danger of producing a regularly enforced. Okay, my own approach to these challenges starts from the notion that they must basic commitment to my students is honesty. I must tell them that I believe it to be true about our political and social lives. My interpre- interpretations are, of course, fallible. But they are not simply personal opinions insofar as they are based on decades of study and professional experience a professor of political science. I try my best to be fair to all serious intellectual viewpoints in the sense that I will represent for students what I take to be their strengths and their weakness. I try to reflect and honest about the weakness in my own perspective follow the general approach, I distinguish what I believe to be representative intellectual positions for political practices of self-declared conservatives or Republican partisans. I understand the modern conservative movement to be a confluence of libertarian tendencies, emphasizing individual rights to make choices regarding their lives, and social or religious conservative emphasizing the importance of traditional values and faith traditions, and helping us to distinguish right from wrong, And it goes on to say, basically, Republicans are bad, liberals are good, and nobody sees a problem with that. Nobody. Nobody's even thinking that University of Rhode Island removed mural because there wasn't enough black people and World War II veterans. 
The Washington Post putting out articles, autopsies can uphold white supremacy. They have long provided scientific and medical excuses for white killing of non-whites. Really? You're going with that. Autopsies are fucking racist? Autopsies. Finding out how somebody died is now fucking racist. But it's because it's all a sham. It's always been a sham. Listen to this CBS guy. He gave up the goods. Pandemics are good sometimes because they promote change. We have a mythology that what's good for Wall Street is good for Main Street. But that's really never been true. Economic inequality is the subject of a new documentary based on the surprise bestseller by French economist Thomas Piketty. He has surveyed centuries of economic upheaval. In the 18th century, money marries money, so poverty is a death sentence. The pandemic illustrates, you know, I think the need to change the economic system and to, to get in the direction of a more equal and more equitable and more sustainable model of economic development. Now, I want you to put your tinfoil hat on right now and think if Republicans were out in the street beating maiming, killing, destroying, etc., etc., etc. And it was all based on a pandemic, lock-ins, everybody's got to stay home, everybody's got to vote from home, all this stuff. Don't you think the media would critically think, was this a setup? Did they just do this all because it's an election year? I think so, boys and girls. I truly do. And it's hard not to put on the tinfoil hat and go back to the Obama practice of never let a crisis go to waste. Waste. Never. Never. Which leads us into our multiple shows now bashing Christianity. We start with Google and YouTube censoring ad promoting Christianity in America. America, America, God shed this grace on thee was removed several times from Google and YouTube advertising. Centennial Institute, we covered it briefly. It's still taken down. HBO Max sci-fi series raised by wolves. Atheism is the only path to progress. The boys on Amazon... It's all just lies. Here is dialogue. Yeah, at uh, Capes from Chris Bible Camp. Yes, totally. Mm, that passion play we put on. You were the best Jesus. I mean, no one's going to take a nail through the hand like I can. And big game was Pontius Pilate. Oh, my God, those freckles. You know he wanted to make out with me. Pontius Pilate and Mary hooking up. Mm, oh, Cilicius. Yeah, we never did. Why not? He was so cute. Yeah, I just, it was, a, Ezekiel always said, and my mom too, that God is watching over you and every second, you know, I thought that he was watching us and I thought that he'd be upset. Yeah, it's it's messed up thing to tell a kid. Yeah, but looking back, I should have made out with big game. I should have done a lot more stuff because there's nothing up there. There's nobody in the sky watching over us. Not God, not Homelander, not anybody. It's all just lies. This just coincides with 
We didn't say under God, except for the opening and all the meetings we didn't. Worshippers kicked out of Seattle City Parks. People can go in there. You can't go to church, but you can burn down cities and reappropriate goods. It's all part of their shit, because nothing's based on reality. It's based on ideology. New Yorker, smitten with pro-abort studies, saying 95% of women happy with their abortion because they did 95% of liberals. And then our last thing for a soundbite before we go into narrative, TEDx London. Hello, you. TEDx London women is coming back virtually. And we love you to share your ideas to help us build our program of events for this autumn. Please share your thoughts in our five-minute quiz. Problem is, that's not how they wrote it. TEDx London Womanx. L-W-O-M-X-N. Is now the way you gotta say woman. Because remember, Trump's a fucking fascist. Just a fascist. You know what's fascist? Fascist is lying about things. Blaming others for your failures. Here's Andrew Cuomo. Some of you probably already heard it. Tell me this doesn't get your fucking balls chafed. Donald Trump caused the COVID outbreak in New York. Donald Trump caused the COVID outbreak in New York. That is a fact. It's a fact that he admitted, and the CDC admitted, and Fauci admitted, the China virus, the China virus, the China virus. It was not the China virus. It was the European virus that came to New York. They missed it. They missed it. The China virus went to Europe. It got on a plane, it went to Europe. They never even thought of the possibility. And then three million Europeans got on the plane and came to New York. And they brought the virus. January, they brought the virus. February, they brought the virus. March, they brought the virus. And in mid-March, the federal government is a travel ban from Europe. Mid-March, too little, too late, Mr. President, he caused the COVID outbreak in New York. Donald Trump and his incompetent CDC and his incompetent NIH and his incompetent Department of Homeland Security. How in the fuck could he say that shit and get away with it? How? Only in America right now where our media is just a fucking mouthpiece can you get away with shit like that. It's fucking horrible so let's segue into narrative we're going to start with PolitiFact trying to say that they're not biased but I ain't buying it when facts screw up agenda we don't have news we have narrative
I'm here to enact the PolitiFact agenda. We'll need the internet, some spreadsheets, a few experts on speed dial, and a library card. Definitely a library card. Hey everybody, it's Angie from PolitiFact, and we get this question a lot. What is PolitiFact's agenda? Well, our agenda is simple. It's to give citizens the information they need to govern themselves in a democracy. We started PolitiFact in 2007 at a new election by fact-checking it. We've been fact-checking ever since, and now we're a non-profit national institution. of improving journalism and informing citizens. So the PolitiFact agenda is work hard to find the facts. We want to help people understand the issues of the day by reading our fact-checking reports. So we look for data, we consult experts, we search high and low for the most credible, authoritative information. Librarians are our friends. The PolitiFact agenda is don't take sides with any politician or party. We're independent and we work hard to find the truth. So we follow the facts wherever they take us, regardless of who made the claim. The PolitiFact agenda is be a self-sustaining newsroom. We support with selling our content to other newsrooms and tech platforms. And through a small number of here is nobody tells us what to fact check or what our rating should be. Only journalists get to operate the truth meter. If you politifact.com slash membership. Do you have another question about how PolitiFact works? Put your question in the comments below and we'll address it in our next installment of the PolitiFact FAQ. And for all the latest fact checks, go to politifact.com and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to see more videos like this. PolitiFact is pretty much run by fucking Facebook, so you're full of fucking fucking shit. So, let's, um get to our first article we're gonna do that if i can open it up well we'll start brit brit hume i'm trying to open up this receipt filled thing the american left is holding a meeting sponsored by atlantic come hang out with us and hillary clinton at the atlantic fest 2020 attendance is zero yes literally zero dollars hillary clinton will be headlining obviously but also speaking will be Stacey Abrams, Samantha B, Chris Evans, Billy Porter. But they don't make things up. None of it's made up. They don't make things up. Ever heard of Dan Rather? Journo, Olivia Croft, Snidely claims journos can't make stuff up. Olivia Croft, contrary to popular belief, journalists just don't make stuff up. Anonymous sources are real people. The bar to be granted an anonymity, at least in local news, is high. Only when publishing their name could put them in physically harm or they're facing other serious form of retribution for speaking publicly. So please, by all means, tell me why a journalist would risk ruining their career and tarnishing their industry by making up a source. They have done it since day one. We literally had all sorts of sources tell Russia was real. It was all real. Obama didn't wiretap. You've been making shit up all along. By doing it, you get to fucking 
being the big kids now. Man, you're you're fucking cool. They bring you to the table. It's like the breakfast club. Ali Sheedy being all freaky by the end. She was hanging out by Molly Ringwald. All you got to do is do a Trump bash or put Trump in it or mega or everybody's racist and you're cool. You're just fucking cool. So making things up. Let's start with a flashback from 2016. I'm going to use Wayne's World. You'll hear a lot about Ohio, of course. You'll hear about Florida. He's got to win those states. He's got a narrow path. He can do it, Mm -hmm. but he's got to start picking them off. But, Anthony, the way you've got this now, likely 341 electoral votes. For Hillary Clinton, you only need 270 to win. That suggests a blowout. It it does at this point. You know, it's not over, but it does. You know, it's even the case now where we've started started to see some reliably Republican states, places like Georgia, places like Arizona that just don't vote Democratic, have started to get close. And Clinton is within striking distance and there. What- Though, other than Chuck Todd, you haven't heard a lot. It's going to be a landslide. Listen to this media montage of horseshittery and jackassery. Uh, now to a highly anticipated movie fans have waited months to see the epic live action film Mulan hits Disney Plus today and Will Reeve is back with his one-on-one with the director about the movie critics are calling spectacular. Will, good morning again. Good morning again, Tom. It really is. Now, let's get down to business. More than two decades after the original animated movie became an instant classic and then the COVID pandemic delayed this version's release, the reimagining and reinvention of the legend of Mulan is well worth the wait. Let's get down to business. In 1998, driven by powerful music, when will my reflection show who I am and a deep, heartfelt storyline. This one's late, but I'll bet that when it blooms, it will be the most beautiful of all. Mulan became an instant classic, earning a place in the hearts of moviegoers forever. Your job is to bring honor to the family. Now Mulan is back, but this time in live action. Director of the live action adaptation, Nikki Caro, sat down with us, breaking down the challenges of adapting the treasured story for the 21st century. We approached making this film as a completely new reimagining of the classic Chinese legend, which is over a thousand years old, Um, but also acknowledging the beautiful DNA of the animation. What went into casting this title role? We searched the world for Mulan, and Yifei just blew me away. She never complained. She never said, "Can can I stop? I'm tired. She just dug in, and I thought, This is my girl, you know, I found my warrior. The new version of Mulan opting to forego the musical aspect of the animated film. Our movie is a huge action, epic action adventure movie. Having our characters burst into song wasn't really appropriate in this genre. The great turning points of the movie utilize the incredible music from the animation. And, and, and it's those moments, I think, that are the most potent and the most emotional. What do you hope that this movie will mean to a new generation of people just discovering the legend of Mulan? I hope that that the Mulan, the Mulan story does what it's always done, which is 
to tell a story of of honor and bravery and courage. Disney Plus Premier Access members can start streaming Mulan right now before it's available to all Disney Plus subscribers on December 4th. Cecilia, here are your weekend plans, right? Yeah, I was just saying, I'm, I'm going to watch for sure. Amy is. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys. And who led criminal justice reform under President Trump and looking at Joe Biden, who led for the 1994 crime bill, which you in and of itself said years ago was a bad thing to have. It was, but and I, I say it now, and I said it to Mr. Mr. Uh, Biden, and Mr. Biden has said it had unintended consequences. But what is interesting no, to me, know, what, what is interesting to me is that Mr. Trump supports that crime bill now. He says now that he supports stop and frisk and many of the things in that crime bill that we objected to. Do you deny that your candidate, President Donald Trump, has said we need to have stop and frisk now nationally. Yes or no? I do not recall that conversation, but what I want to talk about is the fact that this president you, has led on you, criminal justice. You, you what? You don't know that the president has said he wants stop and frisk nationally? And you are part of Blacks for Trump? You don't know that he advocates stop and frisk? Reverend Sharpson, you can bring up stop and frisk if you want to. No, the president <laughs> did. I'm bringing up what your candidate said. You brought up the crime bill. Problem is, I keep bringing up things that you raise. I'm only going by what you raised. This wasn't my questions for you. Raise the fact that uh, Joe Biden called black men that look like me predators. Let's talk about the fact that he we said are that talking about your candidate that you are spokesman for. Are you saying, I therefore, that your defense of the president is to talk about what Joe Biden did 30 years ago? Right no, now, Donald no, Trump no, says we should no. have stop and frisk. Good morning to you. I uh, have seen a couple of tweets from you uh, when Facebook made this announcement. The first one uh, was, wow, a whole week. That should do it. And another one, you tweeted someone else and you said, also not sure uh, how you can see that there are legitimate con concerns about how your platform is used to manipulate elections and then say you're only going to do something about it for one week. So I take it you don't think this is a full-throated uh, uh, job on Facebook's part. It's absolutely toothless. Um, this is one of the most toothless things I've seen them roll out, actually, at least with vaccines uh, and with hate groups. They, they took a more full-throated approach to, to their um, new policy. But there's a number of problems with this. One, by the time it goes into effect, half of, the, half of Americans will have already voted. Um, two, Facebook, as you noticed, isn't banning all ads. It's just banning new ads. So if I'm in the Trump campaign and I want to have uh, an ad that says something terribly false or delegitimizes the results, I'm just going to go one week and one day and I'm going to start, I'm going to place an ad and I'm going to blow it up and to run it until the until election day. So it's just, it doesn't quite make sense. Another problem is, you know, the biggest way that misinformation spreads isn't really through ads. It's more organically. So it's, you know, videos, posts, um, a lot of private Facebook groups. Um, Facebook has done very little to quell misinformation in those places. Um, they're not fact-checking politicians. So... Uh, Donald Trump has been using in the Trump campaign has been lying in their ads forever. And they're still doing it right now. They're saying that Biden wants to defund the police. Fact checkers have proven that's true. He's been calling the election rigged and um, questioning the legitimacy and the safety and the of um, 
of mail-in voting ballots. So he's using it for misinformation. He will continue to do so. This week-long pause and a couple of labels, it's a One question I have, though, is if they don't comply, how will House Democrats enforce this subpoena? We all remember during impeachment the unprecedented ways in which Trump administration officials really thumbed their noses at subpoenas. The Postal Service doesn't get tax dollars, so Democrats can't withhold funding. In fact, right now they're fighting to give the Postal Service more money. And House Democrats haven't shown a willingness to enforce something called inherent contempt, which would mean fining or even jailing administration officials who don't cooperate. Jeffrey, I have the same question. This administration takes subpoenas and throws them in the garbage. Let's see what Democrats are going to actually do with them. Right. Speaking of the climate and the president's attacks, here is his latest broadside against you and your magazine and majority owner Lorraine Powell Jobs. He writes, Steve Jobs would not be happy that his wife is wasting money he left her on a failing radical left magazine, again, the magazine's not failing, run by a con man, that's you apparently, that spews fake news and hate. Call her, write her, let her know how you feel, four exclamation points. That seems ominous to me. Do you interpret that as a, as a threat? You know, I spent a lot of my career uh, covering dictatorships in the Middle East, and, and so I'm, I'm familiar with this kind of discourse. It is a threat. It is meant to intimidate. I would only say that we are neither failing nor a radical left. Um, and I would also say, and I'm not speaking for the ownership or the management of the company, I would say that we have excellent owners who value editorial independence and integrity. Uh, and I would just say that we are not going to be intimidated by the president United States. We're going to do our jobs. And I, I think that is true for a large number of outlets. His intense frustration, which comes out in these, in these outbursts, um, comes from the fact that unlike dictators in other countries, he cannot simply shut down media outlets that, uh, that he doesn't like. And, and so it's our duty to continue to pursue the truth, no matter what he says about us. And I would say that at The Atlantic and at many other organizations, including yours, there is unanim unanimity of feeling that um, we, we have a responsibility and we're going to do it regardless of what he says. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome back. It is data download time. Several different analyses, including from the Washington Post and NPR, have found that roughly half a million mail-in ballots were rejected from states that held their primary elections during the pandemic. So we decided to dive into three of the states that had the closest margins in 2016 and look at how many ballots were thrown out, whose they were, and why they got tossed. By now, you know the states by heart. Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. President Trump won all three by razor-thin margins taking the White House by their combined 77,000 total votes. All three allow no-excuse mail-in voting now. Michigan and Pennsylvania are doing it for the very first time. So let's start with Wisconsin. More than 23,000 mail-in votes were canceled in the state's primary earlier this year. And there were lots of reasons. Many of them were different. Some voters missed the deadline or had mail issues. But most were rejected because of certification issues like a problem with a witness signature. Fewer ballots were rejected in Michigan's spring primary, 10,694. The biggest culprit there? Most arrived too late to be counted, followed by signature problems and mail issues. And finally, in Pennsylvania, where close to 27,000 ballots were thrown out this year. Just as in Michigan, the biggest issue there was the return deadline, followed by mail issues like the ballot label being misplaced or damaged. It also matters whose ballots get thrown out. Pennsylvania tracks that as well. In that state, many of the rejected ballots 
came from Philadelphia and suburban Montgomery County that's right next door. Crucial Democratic counties. Remember, the number of rejected ballots remains relatively small. But if 2020 looks anything like 2016, especially in Pennsylvania, those rejected ballots could make a huge difference. Michael Waldman, um, one of the things that we also featured in our data download has to do with spoiled ballots and, and how, and you just look, if you look at the state of Pennsylvania, it's pretty clear that, that it looks like that the votes of people that live in Philadelphia, and you can check the census and decide if that's going to end up impacting more voters of color, but it sure looks like more voters of color saw their ballots thrown out. Now remember, two years ago, ballot harvesting was bad when Republicans supposedly did it. And you hear Chuck Todd there, and the little foe blowing my nose, and all the stupid fucking bullshit. But the proof is more in the pudding than anything else. Here's just one Biden faux pas, which there's 10,000. How they're asking him questions. And Nancy Pelosi, the day after, she was caught breaking her own goddamn rules. And MSNBC just puffballed and never asked a question. What has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. It's just, it's, when you think about it, more lives this year than any other year for the past hundred years. Well, before I do that, I, maybe you'll indulge me in a little bit of professional uh, uh, outrage. So seldom okay. do reporters get to ask Joe Biden questions. So seldom do reporters get. This is the second time, really, in quite a while, the reporters have had a chance to ask Joe Biden questions. And that was shamefully embarrassing. I mean, there were uh, two questions in there maybe that could have been considered adversarial, but that was as bad as when Trump calls on some niche public, some niche pro-Trump publication to ask him what, you know, how, how magnificent his magnificence is. That was a sustain from reporter after reporter asking Joe Biden, for more dumping on Donald Trump. The reporter starts out, dumps on Donald Trump. Uh, go ahead and dump on him now. And then my favorite question was, my favorite question was. Uh, yes, I know what I know you're angry say. about the things. What does it say about his I know, soul? I know that you're angry about the things. Uh, I, I know that you're angry about the things that the President Trump said about uh, those killed in war. Uh, why aren't you showing more of your anger? Aren't you afraid that your, report, that your supporters won't think that you're angry enough? And I'm just sitting here listening, thinking, don't you want to know about his plans? Don't you want to know about the controversies surrounding his plans? Don't you want to know anything? The closest that we got to adversarial questioning was when they're asking him about whether he got his coronavirus test up his nose or whatever. It was just a real missed opportunity. It was frustrating to see. You said today is the angriest you've, you've been as a presidential candidate. Um, but you said you're trying to restrain yourself. And there are a lot of people out there who are supporting you or are inclined to not vote for the president who would say, why isn't Joe Biden angrier about all of this? Donald Trump, Speaker, does seem to, he seems to want to stall this election. He is encouraging his voters to vote twice. He's making sure that the intelligence, you don't get the intelligence briefings live. What does that signal to you? 
What it signals is that he's engaged in fright and fear as usual. And what we're saying to people is do not pay any attention to what he is saying. He wants to discredit your vote. I did want to ask you specifically around Donald Trump's alleged remarks that were reported in The Atlantic, talking to, about our military in a disparagingly way, saying that they were losers. That guy can't form fucking sentences with two hands and a fucking thesaurus. Secondly, why won't they ask him and everybody else questions when they fuck up? We've said it repeatedly on the show. If a Republican fucks up, everybody answers for it. If Rush Limbaugh has a soft stool when he has a bowel movement, every Republican has to answer for it. But now... Oh, no, no, fucking no. So that's our short narrative. Going to finish the show with This is America Violence. Because that's all it is now. It's the worst things I hear all week. We're going to play a Game of Thrones songs. I just finished all eight seasons. I'm reading the books. They're really good. You got time on your hand, like I do. I started reading them. And it isn't like Lord of the Ring bullshit, The Hobbit. I never was into that as a kid. These are pretty good. So, let's go and do our This is America. And talk about some violence.
this is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last sound bite. Like the media say when they are pushing the fake liberal agenda stories. And this is America in 2019. I got the strap. the ads i'm sure you've seen them although uh, a lot of pennsylvanians are seeing them because there's a lot of ads out there right now uh they would say that you want to uh defund the police and uh, it seems to be uh, uh trying to frighten some folks uh, can you can you set the record straight on that i not only don't want to defund the police i'm the one calling for 300 billion million dollars more for local police for community policing i also think we should add uh, social workers and psychologists help police on 911 calls the only person calling to defund the police is, is Donald Trump. Look at his budget. He calls for cutting police funding for local, state and local help by $400 million. Once again, he's pathological. Really um, wonderful. I mean, they're an incredible family and what they've endured and they just do it with such dignity and grace and, you know, they're carrying the weight of a lot of voices on their shoulders. And what was the message that you shared with him? Thank you. Let's let him have a tour. Just to, one, to express concern for their, you know, well-being and, of course, for their brother and their son's well-being um, and to let them know that they have support. Yeah, Trump's talking about it. And Camilla Harris, oh, I am so proud of him. A guy who sexually assaulted a woman. Yeah. And while they're bullshitting in the background, the media isn't reporting on the Friday before last Friday, which would have been, uh, let me pull up a calendar, really early, folks. I had puppy duty, so I got up at 3 this morning. 4th of um, September, $100,000 damage in Manhattan by Biden voters. The Hill ran... Over 90% of protests this summer were peaceful, report shows. Despite several incidents of protests against racism, racism and police brutality turning violent, more than 90% of summer protests were peaceful, according to an analysis released Thursday. The report, produced by the nonprofit Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project, identified 7,750 protests between May 26th and August 22nd and 2,400 locations. The report, uh, according to the Washington Post, the report found that about 220 became violent. Despite these findings, however, the author warned that due to the environment of violent political polarization in the U.S., 
Violence is likely to occur again if there are issues with the November election. Here we go again. Don't vote our way. We'll beat you. Washington Post's own article. After 100 days of demonstration, more radical protest tactics are likely here to stay. People, it's called rioting. Fucking rioting. Why can't you say rioting? And then Cheryl Ackeson brings us CBS News spin on largely peaceful protesters versus police aggression in Rochester. So we're going to play Rochester first, but it wasn't just Rochester. Uh, We have Rochester, we have Pittsburgh, and we have another bend the knee or we'll destroy your dining table and beat you the fuck up.
much brought to you by Todd in Oregon, Sean in Oregon, Matt in Oregon, I found it. It was fucking ridiculous. This shit is out of control. But no, 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 no. We're not going to say that. We're going to keep up with the mostly peaceful protest. Cheryl Atkinson. This is how CBS reported uh, Rochester. Largely peaceful protest demonstrations against... Suffocation death of Daniel Prude marched Friday outside police headquarters in Rochester, New York, as officers doused some activists with chemical spray and repeatedly fired an irritant to disperse crowd. Cheryl Atkinson. Were the police mostly peaceful? If so, why wasn't that mentioned too? Did the police douse activists who were doing nothing illegal? Or did they douse rioters who were violating the law? Michael Tracy. Do any of these protesters, rioters, ever wonder why established media outlets are so consistently eager to propagize on their behalf? Juba E. Harsha, old, mostly, new, largely. Uh, it was largely peaceful. It was a fucking riot. You're lying to us as we can't see what you're doing. But it is the fad. This is what they're doing. Here's a CBS soundbite and an ABC soundbite. Black Lives Intersection. It's really hard to turn that 
Meanwhile, in Portland, Oregon, and in other parts of this country, it is inflamed emotions over race. Protesters throwing Molotov cocktails, igniting fires on the streets, and a protester caught in the middle of all of it. And in Rochester, New York, a fourth night of unrest there over the death of Daniel Prude in police custody with demonstrators in the streets as a grand jury is set to decide whether officers will face charges. We'll get to that in a moment, but we start with Matt Gutman in Portland for us this morning. Good morning to you, Matt. Hey, good morning, Eva. What we witnessed over the past several hours appears to be a significant escalation on the part of protesters tossing those gasoline bombs at officers. And what has stood out over the past uh, 100 days or so is that there is still no cohesive single message on the part of protesters. And after 100 days, there was no end game in sight. Overnight, parts of Portland looked like a war zone. Marking a hundred nights of continuous protests, the violence erupting with fusillades of fireworks shot at police at point-blank range. Oh my God! And the cracks of Molotov cocktails exploding. One demonstrator running through it, catching fire, rolling to the curb, bystanders unable at first to put him out. Portland police almost immediately declaring a riot, carpeting streets with smoke and tear gas canisters. They're popping off tear gas like, whoa! You can see the arcs of uh, tear gas in the air. That's going to be really bad. In about five seconds, we're going to get out of here. Let's go! Let's go! Oh, I just got hit in the leg by tear gas. See that cloud of yellow mustardy-like smoke? We're going to circle back, try to get out of that cloud. The entire corner here was lit up. Police making multiple arrests, slamming protesters down. Medics tending to those sickened by the gas. But protesters regrouped, marching by the hundreds. You can see them make arrests. Protests on Friday night leading to 27 arrests, including one person accused of illegally possessing this handgun. But remember, when we go into a capital and protest lockdowns, we're attacking the fucking world. Do we remember that? Does anybody fucking remember? Is it just me? Is it just me? I mean, how in the actual fuck can they keep doing this? I mean, it's fucking everywhere. It's not one-offs. It is everywhere. ABC, several deaths have been connected to protests, but the story is more complicated. Well, let's see how complicated this is. Um, BLM attacking a black McDonald's manager. BLM pulling people out of their cars. Is this complicated? Thank <laughs> you. 
complicated for you um people calling uh cops house n-words how about a new york city blm march saying death to america with a banner death to america I'm a journalist, but I'll take it. Okay, I don't know her. She, she wanted one of you guys to have it, so we gave it to her. Why, why, why? Can you explain why she's being arrested? She was a why? passenger in the car. That's okay. No, no. I, but Yo, they, don't ever know what is going on. Ma'am, ma'am, I'm a member of the press. Why are you arresting this woman? She was a passenger in the car. What was she obstructing? We gave you the option to walk off, but you obstructed it. So I went to get a walk. Sir, can you can you explain where we walk off? It's right off that exit, right there. Just go ahead and walk straight. Okay, free to go. Okay. Well, I'm I'm an observer right now, so I'm observing. Stay off on the shoulder. Yeah. Now you want to do some shit when Summer Taylor died on the freeway and y'all didn't do nothing about it. Now you want to do something. Don't touch it. Stop! Stop! You don't touch her? No, 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 no. Oh my! No, no, no. Stop! 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 St
I'm not talking to you right now. Come to me later and I will answer all your Wait, questions. Okay, do you have a card? Tell her right now. And let's just get to the exclamation point. Here is the altercation with the kid in Rochester, and another one with what cops deal with every day with your thug-ass voter base. He's still walking at us with a knife, not following commands. The knife down, please! No, 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 no! Put the knife! Shots fired, Central, shots fired! Put the knife! He's on your back! Oh, no, 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 no! Get on the ground! Get on the ground! No! Get on the ground, man! Taze him! No, no, no! Ah! Ah! He's gone! Oh, God! Oh, God! He's gone again! Good afternoon. I'm Erica Sargent. New video today of a Cook County Sheriff's officer shooting a man. We're getting a look at what happened only 19 hours after that shooting. And we want to warn you, it may be hard to watch. Let's get straight to CBS 2. Stephen Graves, he is live at Mount Sinai Hospital where doctors are treating the man who was shot. Stephen. Erica, that man is expected to be okay, but recovering from multiple gunshot wounds. This, as the sheriff's office works quickly to get ahead of this, releasing that 30-second video of what happened. This is the video from a Cook County Sheriff's Officer's body cam around 7.30 last night. The suspect's face is blurred. Hold on, hold on, hey, hey. The Sheriff's Office edited this video with red circles frame by frame to show the suspect's gun. Soon after, the officer fires four shots. The suspect is hit in the shoulder and buttock, lies on the ground, and then sits back up. He flails his arms up and back to the ground. That's where the video ends. The sheriff's office saying the man later tried to run away resisting more commands. They had to deploy the taser to arrest him. All of this started when officers claimed they tried to pull the suspect over for traffic violations in unincorporated Cook County near Stickney. They say the suspect sped off in Chicago at 46 in South Laramie. A foot chase started. Officers again claiming they gave multiple warnings to stop. That's where the officer's body camera picks up, resulting in this. 
The sheriff's office said it pulled the man over for a missing front license plate and speeding. The unidentified man, according to the sheriff's office, was on parole and has a record that includes serving time for aggravated battery against a Berwyn police officer. We know Chicago police are conducting an independent investigation into this shooting. Live here at Mount Sinai, Stephen Graves, CBS 2 News. When news breaks, you will see it first on our new app. Just search CBS Chicago where you get your apps. Those aren't Donald Trump voters. Those are yours. And you're financing it. Another one, Acronym is a left-to-center political and advocacy organization designed to launch mobilization and digital advertising programs while also working on communication organizing for less progressive causes. It's really easy. They have over $5 million they've pumped into the fucking riots. Is anybody researching that shit? How about LA Times doing this one? A voting rolls plunge amid pandemic. Progressives try to reinvent the registration drive. And it's basically a long thing that they're dual connecting. The riots would get out the vote. Simultaneously, Democratic group launches Trump bashing 3 million online voter registration campaign. It's the left. Kate Bennett from MSDNC. Flotus Jack tonight appears to be McQueen, also worn by Kaya Gerber. Should note a sartorial observation. Flotus is wearing what has become her most recognizable silhouette and color scheme. Remnants of a uniform, if you will. The squared shoulder, front but button pocket, belted waist, and often in color of all of our top. And it's a picture of Adolf Hitler's wife. Responses? What the fuck is wrong with these people? The Dank Knight. Am I doing this right? A picture of Hitler and fucking Biden in the same fucking, same fucking outfit. Megan Kelly about Kamala. Proud of him. Accused of breaking into a sleeping woman's house, sexually assaulting her, humiliating her, and later returning to harass her. Then the cops she called for help say he resisted arrest, assaulted them, and went for his knife. How about a word for his victim, Senator? Me too just went out the door when you hired this piece of shit. Biden. I mean, the Pittsburgh one, which didn't get as much airtime on Twitter. Black Lives Matter demonstrator converged on elderly diners Saturday in Pittsburgh, drinking their beverages, shouting obscenities, and smashing glasses in their rage. The ongoing protests in some cities against police brutality in support of Black Lives Matter movement have clocked at more than 100 days. What are the details? According to Daily Mail, Daily Mail, a foreign magazine or newspaper, because our newspapers, it's mostly peaceful. They find a little kid with cops are bad and go, look at this. It's so progressive. We're moving forward. Daily Mail, a parade of demonstrators charged down Pittsburgh streets on Saturday screaming, fuck the white people. Fuck the white people that built the system. 
One demonstrator with the bullhorn also proceeded to tell those patrons dining outdoors that they were an embarrassment. In the video, a woman wearing a Nazi Lives Don't Matter t-shirt can be seen striding up to a group of elderly people. The unidentified woman then swipes the elderly woman's beer from the table and swings it down as demonstrator cheer. In the background, the sound of glass shattering and fuck the police. No justice, no peace. No, there is no justice and no peace right now. Violent mobs can protest. Regular citizens can't. New York Times Deadspin defend Black Lives Matter protesting the Kentucky Derby. NFAC was there. They were going to kill horses. In the article, the entire sports world has rightly been infused with attempts to achieve racial and social justice. Now, indoctrination. The Kentucky Derby has become the latest event to see the spotlight shift to more important issues. We can no longer separate our worlds and live in ignorance as we watch these sports continue. On the 101st straight day of protests in Louisville, Black Lives Matter crowd demanded the Derby be canceled. Mm-hmm. Protest over racism and police violence in Louisville and beyond. That's not what you're out there for. You're scaring motherfuckers. That's your sole purpose. Scare them. They don't even cover the funny stuff. Andy NGO sent to me by Matt, Todd, Sean. I found it. This is just awesome. Another angle of a person being set on fire by a Molotov cocktail thrown by Antifa militants in southeast Portland. Rioters try to help, but don't get much. Carps are the one who rush in and put out the flames. My favorite response to this, play stupid games, get stupid prizes. say about it not a whole hell of a lot here's a wheeler soundbite sent to me by sean and my favorite this is actually a teacher dressed as an antifa in portland and if you go to andy and geo once again and look at the people getting arrested they're all in contact with your fucking kids what degree we can do something specifically to hold accountable repeat offenders but i'd like to see that too it doesn't sit well by me that the police make an arrest, uh, somebody's processed in the jails, they're not held, and they're right back out on the streets. So there's more we can do with our county law enforcement and the judges and others to, let's just say, make it more inconvenient for repeat offenders. 
um, it, it, you, know, you, you have to hold people accountable for criminal acts. And if you don't hold people accountable, what happens is they see that as tacit approval. Anything but chant and sing all the way halfway across the bridge. At which point we met the Rochester Police Department. And guess what happened? Our peacekeepers ended up shooting pepper spray at us for singing and chanting and telling them what a shitty ass job they were doing. They can fuck right off, America. Fuck the police. Fuck Rochester Police Department. Thank you. And then it's even worse when you start breaking down who's being released and who's being brought in jail. Racially charged stabbing suspect also allegedly beats white cellmate to death. 19-year-old inmate Javon Hatchett, the suspect in a racially charged stabbing, now facing charges for beating his white cellmate to death. And during it, he said, fuck white people. Another one. Media totally fucking skipped. And if you go to the post-millennial... You can see it. BLM activist arrested for hit and run that seriously injured a right-wing group member. A Black Lives Matter activist and alleged Antifa supporter has been arrested for allegedly ramming his car into a Proud Boy member who attended a memorial over the weekend for Aaron J. Danielson. This made no headlines. You heard it nowhere in the press. This is from Andy NGO. BLM activist Charles R. Holiday Smith has been arrested by police in Vancouver. And charged with first-degree assault and felony hit-and-run, the victim of the car ramming is a proud boy who attended a memorial for Jay Danielson. Do you remember NPR busting out pictures of Charlottesville? Yeah. The hit-and-run suspect has posted calls for violence on his social media accounts, which are littered with Antifa content, the Gateway Pundit confirmed. I will fight you and justifiably feel good about beating your ass. He threatened in racist rants in 2018. Wow, I had to repost this and totally agree with my brother, Soda Pop. This is racist, somebody said. If you're a racist, run far away from the brothers and I, the suspect wrote on Instagram in 2018, because we will take action against anyone who ignorantly and blindly hates against someone for the skin color of the demographics, which is what I'm doing now, because I hate white people. But I don't catch the fucking hypocrisy or the irony of it all. The BLM activists further urged others to oppose racism through action. Words are worthless without action, and it's sad how many people are too cowardly to stand up for their supposed beliefs. His since-deactivated barbershop business page has attempted to justify violence in the name of social justice. After MLK was assassinated, 100 American cities started rioting, causing $47 million in damage on the sixth day. The Civil Rights Act was passed. Even dogs the Mongols. Hmm. But then you have our celebs. Here's just four of the top 15. Trump actively trying to kill you and your kids. Um, you know, uh, when they said, hey, do you want to have Chris Christie on uh, for the convention? I was like, yeah, we always have a good time together. You know, we always, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we, there's some playful banter and some uh, gentle disagreements over some fairly important things. But uh, then I found out, literally, I just found out yesterday or today that you're helping the Trump campaign. Are you helping him prep for these debates? No, I haven't done any of that yet, Stephen. Um, but uh, are you going to? Well, if if asked, I'll go in there and try to do the best I can to uh, to lend him some of my uh, some of my experience from before. Please, please don't. 
<laughs> Please don't, because this is the fourth time you've been on the show, I think. Is that right? Fourth time. And, you know, every time you come on, we have a conversation. Chris Lick, my exec, goes, you like him. And I go, you know, it's possible I might someday. <laughs> He's a great guest, and it's possible I might like him someday. And this is seriously endangering the possibility that will happen. I have hope that I could like you someday. And uh, the feeling is mutual. Okay. I, I could like you someday, too. But here's the thing. Get, this is your last chance right now to get off the Trump train, okay? Get off now, right now, before this interview, before he loses and the Truth and Reconciliation Commission drags you off to the Woketopia where you have to confess your crimes. Not that I think he's going to win. Like, knock wood that he's not president anymore. Who knows what's going to happen? Right. But why in, on earth, after the last four years, where the country is now, with the dead people, with where the economy is right now, what he has done to our international standings, what he has done to children on the border, why would you want to chain yourself to this anchor made of <laughs> manure? <laughs> well, um, I'm not even going to go into responding to all of the different adjectives you use there. Um, but I will say this, I'm not chained to anybody, um, but what I am chained to are a set of ideas that I believe are right for the country versus ideas which I think are wrong for the country. What, 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 are, the, what are those ideas? So I believe in more conservative ideas. and I think that He's Democrat not a conservative. Party. He's not a conservative. He's a Trumpian. You know the Republican Party does not exist anymore. The modern conservative movement is a paranoid movement obsessed with conspiracy theories. Remember, this is the same political movement that thinks the world scientists all got together and fabricated the climate crisis as part of an elaborate plot to outlaw airplanes and barbecues. Good thing we elected Donald Trump to protect our flights and social gatherings. And now those same lunatics think graffiti and light property damage constitute domestic terrorism. For example, take acting Secretary of Homeland Security Chad Wolf. You know, Dracar Noir, if it grew up to be a real boy. Anytime a government is calling its own citizens violent anarchists, should raise alarms. So what did these supposedly violent anarchists do to deserve that name? Well, you'll be shocked to find out. It's complete bull****. Chad Wolf, he is the acting Secretary of Homeland Security. To justify what Donald Trump is doing, he tweeted out images of himself viewing graffiti that had been put on buildings in Portland. And the DHS put out a statement pointing to the buildings it said had been graffitied by, quote, violent anarchists. So the mission of the Department of Homeland Security is to deploy secret police to the streets of American City to stop graffiti and some light property damage. Graffiti? You're going full dictator over some graffiti. What's next? You're going to send in SEAL Team 6 to arrest love-struck teens carving their initials into a tree? Okay, he just finished carving the heart shape into the tree. Now he's going for the TLA. Take the shot! Take the shot, Todd! That's right, our government used graffiti to justify sending secret police to an American city to abduct protesters into unmarked vans without telling them who they are, where they're going, or why they've been arrested. But it would be bad enough if what they were doing was using secret police to enforce laws against graffiti. That's already chilling. What they're actually doing is even worse. They're just snatching peaceful protesters off the street. They're kidnapping people and not even telling them what they're being charged with. This evening, Joe Biden showed himself to be a man who is decent compassionate, flawed, but honest. And that is water in the desert. He's the sort of person who thinks before he says things. And when he gaffs, which he does often, it's because his heart gets ahead of his words. He cares and he tries his hardest. 
He's like a lot of people I know and you do too, which shouldn't seem remarkable, but right now it is. And when Trump tweets his all caps rebuke tomorrow morning, it's just going to show how our president is not presidential. But Joe Biden is. Now, full disclosure, uh, I did not watch much of the convention tonight. And fullest disclosure, I did not watch any of it. Because right now in America, we're facing a, a global pandemic that has killed 180,000 Americans. Heavily armed Rambo wannabes are murdering people in our streets. The strongest hurricane in the history of the Gulf Coast is making landfall as I speak. And the RNC's message is, who's up for four more years? Now, I know by not watching the RNC, I didn't do my job tonight. I just want to say, I feel great about it. Why should we pay attention to what they're saying if none of what they're saying tonight is about what's happening in America right now? Why should we watch their reality show if it doesn't reflect our reality? Why subject ourselves to their lies that stick to your soul like hot tar? Does anybody actually question why we have this much violence? I mean, in this one, we have uh, Colbert, Seth MacFarlane, Barbara Streisand, Colbert again, Rob Reiner, Late Night with Seth Meyer, Colbert again, Arquette, Bette Midler, Sarah Silverman, John Cusack, Stephen King, um, Patricia Arquette again. Remember, when people told you don't vote for Trump, he will kill you. They were right. Hide your kids. Donald Trump is actively trying to kill our children. Rob Reiner. Does anybody question this? Does anybody actually question why we have this violence? My wife sent me this. This is allowed on Facebook. It's fucking viral. And let me open it in Chrome because it's opened somewhere else and it just really isn't working for me. Copy and paste. Here we go. No, I can zoom it in and read it. Um, zoom. Here we go. Dear Trump supporters, remember, I have been censored. My mother's been censored. My wife's on suspension, or not suspension, but on warning for saying wrong think. This is okay on Twitter. I mean, Facebook. Dear Trump supporters, congratulations. Not only have you contributed to the downfall of a once great and proud country, you continue to indulge in the absolute delusion that you are making said country great as you piss all over the ideals and values that it was based on. You see, imagine treachery where there is none, and you ignore it where it is rotting away the foundations and principles you pathetically claim to value. You believe obvious lies is truth because they flatter your hateful and childish self-serving perspectives. You imagine yourself as great patriots and seeing a 
devious and proven uh, CN, I can't read the word, and proven failure and liar as a leader and a savior. You are the most twisted, hypocritical disappointments in American history. As you claim to tout values that present, present decency and morality while simultaneously betraying every single element and thought that things truly represent. You are disgraceful, embarrassing, arrogant, petulant, and absolute failures, not only as Americans, but as human beings, and we the people who truly hold those ideals intact and in reality will never, ever forgive you. Signed, the American Majority, with sincerest apologies to the entire planet. Think about that for a second. That's how fucking butt shit crazy these people are. When have conservatives taken to the street and burned down city, killed and beat people? When have conservatives gone out after an ideal of a false narrative that black people are being murdered by cops every fucking day and there's a thing called systemic racism? When? Can anybody tell me? When have conservatives lost an election want to overturn the electoral college? When has conservatives wanted to violate every fucking amendment we could find just to get people to go vote? When have conservatives locked the entire country down, destroyed the fucking economy so that we can push a theory called vote by mail so we can steal the election because we know all our ideas, our candidates, and where we're moving the country nobody wants? When? I can't think of a time. The worst you can come up with if you're a liberal was Donald Trump or a fucking George Bush pushed Christianity down our throats. You restrict religious freedom. You do. It's what you guys do. And by the end, the Rochester Police Department, all the senior staff have resigned over a spurless and bullshit complaint against another wanted thug who resisted arrest and died. Sorry for the interruption here. We want to break in with some news. Both the Rochester police chief and the Rochester deputy chief are resigning. That news into our newsroom within the last five minutes. That means Laron Singletary and Joseph Morabito are stepping down following the protests and the death of Daniel Prude. The protesters have called for the resignation of Chief Singletary, who you're seeing now. And today, in a news release, Singletary has announced that he is, after 20 years of service in RPD alone, stepping aside. And he said this, as a man of integrity, I will not sit idly by while outside entities attempt to destroy my character. The events over the past week are an attempt to destroy my character and integrity. The members of the Rochester Police Department and the greater Rochester community know my reputation and know what I stand for. The mischaracterization and the politicization of the actions that I took after being informed of Mr. Prude's death is not based on facts and not what I stand for. He doesn't go on to elaborate, at least in that statement. He may later on. As many of you who have been following this case know, Daniel Prude 
was arrested, a mental health arrest on March 23rd. That's when his heart stopped after an encounter with police over on Jefferson Avenue. He was then hospitalized. His heart had stopped that morning. This is 3 a.m. His heart stopped. He later died about a week later on March 30th. There was talk about who knew what when. Who saw the police body cam footage, which, again, many of you have seen, very disturbing. The mayor coming out last week saying she didn't see the body cam footage until August 4th, and she said that when she first heard about this, it was from Chief Singletary, and Chief Singletary had told her that it was an overdose and likely nothing more. So she didn't give it a second thought after that. There was then the family's involvement. They saw the body cam footage around June, July. The autopsy, which was released to a lot of people in April, said that this was a homicide. But again, the mayor saying that she didn't get a full scope of this issue until August 4th, placing at least part of the blame on Singletary for not keeping her abreast of what was happening. It looked as though for the last few days that she was standing by Chief Singletary. It is going to be interesting to see what she has to say, but he is taking this step right now of resigning after 20 years with the police department. And again, of note, the deputy chief, Joseph Morabito, as well. The protesters have called for the resignation of Mayor Warren. Mayor Warren, from what we understand, is going to be speaking with city council at a meeting that started or should have started about 15 minutes ago. We are following that. Christian Garzon is the reporter covering that. We'll see what the questioning is, whether Chief Singletary is even going to be a part of that, given this news. So this is all breaking. This is all fluid, as so much of this this entire week has been. But again, Rochester Police Chief Laron Singletary and the Deputy Chief Joseph Morabito are resigning. Mayor Warren will have the right to appoint the next police chief. We'll have to see who it is. But again, Laron Singletary, notable not just for his years of service within RPD, but also being a person of color, but heavily criticized by the Black Lives Matter movement after news broke of Daniel Prude's death. We will continue following not just his resignation, but also statements, reaction from the community and what Mayor Warren has to say to city council today. They are going to press her on the timeline of events. Again, who knew what and when? A lot of criticism there and how the police department handled this. The police department, the union coming forward, defending the officers, saying they followed protocol. A lot to discuss in the near future. So please stay tuned. News 8 first at 4, News 8 at 5, News 8 at 6. We're going to have team coverage of all of this. We're going to return you now to your regularly scheduled programming. But before we let you go, please always know you can go to rochesterfirst.com for the latest on this issue and many more. Thanks for watching. You are destroying this country, liberals. Not... Donald Trump. To our soundbite of the day, and we're close this pig out. Some moonbats doing what boombats do. I don't even know how to describe this video. And the Seattle police ambushed Antifa, and it was glorious. Well, my gosh. What can I say except, Debbie, you're going to Paris, and this is the final answer heard all around the world. He's won a million dollars. I...
don't get it twisted. They're waiting for backup. <laughs> we know how ISPD rolls. They're waiting for their backup. They are lurking. They are, you guys. They were lurking to the point where I didn't even know they were back here. Until I came around the corner, I'm like, oh shit, you guys saw me. I literally shot. Is this coming from Spog? This is coming from Spog. This is coming from the shit. Country, they're bumping country from Spog. You guys are playing this? Is that you guys? <laughs> you guys are playing that from Spog? Is that coming from you guys? <laughs> I swear it sounds like it's coming from them. <laughs> Country shit. I can't believe they're bumping country from Spog, you guys. They're bumping country. Oh shit, here they come. Here they are. I told you they're waiting for backup. I, they're lurking before they come waiting for backup. Nice music, guys. Nice music. Nice music. Now I'm backing the fuck away. I'm getting with my people. Here they come. Here they come. Here they come. Here they come! 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 Here they go! Here they go! They're already arresting us! They're already arresting people! Back up! Back up! I need to see! You guys saw they came out attacking! They came out attacking! They're spray painting us! Pepper spray! Pepper spray spray painting us! Shit! Oh shit, we got her. I gotta get my mask on. I gotta get my tear gas on. Fuck you guys, don't do that. Fuck. 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 Fucking moon bats. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with your family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Fop podcast gmail.com get the show on soundcloud podcast attic tuna radio google play itunes blueberry stitcher down and pocket cast remember to check out our twitter page at fop tony reed our next podcast will be sunday 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 13 september year of our lord 2020 this is all getting so depressing but i cannot overemphasize how i kind of started this show Have conversations. Start educating people. Make them understand what's going on. There are many people in our country who just don't pay attention. Don't get lulled into, well, I saw somebody and I saw 400 Trump signs, two Bidens, and for sale signs. Biden lost it for sale signs. These motherfuckers are going to steal this election. That's what they're down to do. That's what they're doing, the remote voting. There's already multiple sound bites of them saying, well, you know, on the night of the election, it'll look red, and it might say Trump's winning, but until we count all the votes, they're doing it on purpose so then they can fight every fucking vote. That's what they want to do. They want to make this 2,000 redux. And pay attention to how much shit is canned. The man is not getting questions. The crowds 
asking him pre-done questions. And to make matters even worse, they have pre-packaged hit pieces that they're coordinating with the media. I gazed over it quickly. Remember when Obama got elected and Hillary got elected, there were multiple pictures of them with the media having meetings. And if you don't think that that meeting was how to coordinate the killing of Trump, you're smoking crack. They did it again. They will keep doing it. Our media is a mouthpiece for the Democrats. Even Fox is pro-Biden. And running with the, oh, he's got a 15-point lead. Does anybody actually believe that? Talk to your neighbors. California is so bad right now, Newsom is actually discussing exit tax. Because people are leaving in droves. New York people are leaving in droves. The left overplayed their hand, and a lot of their base are done. This is not their party anymore. This is the critical race theory intersectionality party. And a lot of them are not on board with the you're a fucking racist because you're white concept, just like you and I aren't. But it's going to take grassroots. Hey, listen, the House and Senate's got to be Republican. And I've done it with every conversation I've had, and I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Trumper. But having Trump four more years does less harm than handing it over to the far, far left base of the Democratic Party to rat fuck this country. They won't have to chant death to America. They will start killing America. So I won't use a Democrat. This is the most important election ever. Bullshit. I'll just keep it real. If you believe in freedom of choice, freedom to own a weapon, pray to whoever you are, and not getting beat in the street because you're white, you probably don't want to vote Democrat because they give less than a fuck. From here to then, on Sunday, disconnect from your devices. Don't give all the yeah, yeah. Spend some time with your family and tune back in. As always, thanks for listening. And as we exit, as always... Until now, until the end, the most important soundbite you can play for anybody. As Obama said, Democrats built this violence. Let's remind them. Take care. I I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When they go low, be kicked. How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. So even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. Mm-hmm. You would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? <laughs>
they're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. And that's a fact. Look as his character is stabbed to death. Where is John Wilkes Booth when you need him? I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. A Missouri state senator is under investigation by the Secret Service after saying she hopes President Trump is assassinated. I will go and take Trump out tonight. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and our honoring our Constitution are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up, and they should not. If you think we're rallying now, you ain't seen nothing yet. And part of the challenge we have as a nation is that a significant swath of Americans still support Donald Trump. They support his vision of America, and that is rooted in racism. It is rooted in a desire for power at the expense of everyone who is black and brown. And so what we have in this problem is a, is a, is a spiritual kind of tyranny of the worst impulses, uh, you know, as uh, Dr. Meacham said, um, you, know, nar- you know, sort of weaponizing narcissism. That will send a shockwave through this country. And Donald Trump may not accept the results, but who gives a because the rest of the country will be forced to. I'm at the point where I'm ready to put these police to the fucking grave. I'm at the point where I want to burn the fucking White House down. I want to take it to the senators. I want to take it to the Congress. I want to take the fight to them. And at the end of the day, if they ain't going to hear us, we burn them the fuck down.
Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Shine as that is criminal in Bogor.